Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. There's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through We are the ones who will never be broken Hello folks, thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk Part of the growing conservative conversation and part of the Patriot Journalist Network, and you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. You are not going to want to leave the show early tonight. I tell you what, it's going to be uh, action-packed as the, the weeks have gone. Uh, tell you what, one thing we can say about uh, Trump getting elected is there has been plenty uh, to talk about. There is never a slow news day. <laughs> There's never a slow time, uh, maybe for good or for ill, but that is the case. Uh, so we've got a couple of topics we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, so uh, give us a call. Join us, 347-945-7428. I already see some folks on the line. If you'd like to uh, discuss any of our comments and be a part of our roundtable discussion, uh, press the one on your number dial. And I'll uh, go in there to call screening and get your name, and we'll get you onto the show, and you'll be able to stay on as long as you'd like. Now, tonight, uh, we've got uh, three different topics, and, of course, we may uh, stick to all those or go to something different, or who knows? That's one of the uh, good things about the show and our organic nature there. As, uh, first, then we do see uh, 561. I'll get you on the line. I want to chime in. Uh, now, of course, as I stated, uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is uh, the Seth Rich murder. Uh, and, of course, Sean Hannity apparently uh, seems like he is not able to talk about it anymore because as soon as there was talk about him possibly losing his show, which I think is crap, uh, he's not talked about it anymore. But we don't have those same restrictions here on Bard's Logic. I don't have to worry about any uh, folks doing that. And even if they did, who cares? Uh, anyway, and so we're going to talk about that. Uh, also, we have in our second uh, segment, we'll be talking to Mark Busser, who uh, is the author of many books, including Nazi Oaks, and uh, he is also a writer, contributing writer to The American Thinker. He'll be on in our second hour tonight talking about uh, the events of the Evergreen State College, uh, which he's an alumni, so he'll be talking about that. And then we'll also uh, talk about uh, Coulter's uh, ban all immigration. We got an interesting clip I'm going to play in our third segment, and that's going to be actually from the don't, – don't spoil it by looking this up, folks, uh, before listening to it. Uh, but uh, it's, it's going to be a spoiler of one of – I won't tell which one, but one uh, – so a, a small segment of one of Bill Clinton's State of the Union addresses, and that will tie into our – that will tie into our, our third segment and so uh, I do have an article here uh, that we'll get to about the Seth Rich, uh, Rich murder. And uh, that article is everything you want to know uh, or should know about the Seth Rich murder. And so, but first, before we, anything you want to know about the Seth Rich story, I apologize. 
But first, uh, I'm guessing we won't be doing any uh, call screening, so let's bring him in. Uh, go ahead, uh, 561. Who am I speaking with? Where are you calling from? Let's start with Dr. Tolbert. How are you doing, bro? Dr. Tolbert? There you go. I, you know, I get so many different area codes and numbers. Dr. Tolbert, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. I I felt it was important tonight with everything you're tying together that we tie a couple other things together. And if you don't mind, that I just take a couple minutes and put together the Al Green story and the Agenda 21 story. Can I take a couple minutes to do that? I think you can go ahead and do that, Dr. Tolbert. Go ahead. Yeah, good. And 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 I and I think it all gets back into what's happening into the college in the state of Washington. It goes back to the Clintons and the 53 different people that committed suicide. And you have to get into the background of the Bush family and the Clintons. And so how do you tie this all together? And I kind of look at things a little different. So what I want to do is I want to start with Agenda 21 and the unconstitutionality of Agenda 21. And for those that don't know what Agenda 21 is, it's actually the control by the Illuminatis of the climate of the world through the different uh, groups of individuals. And they already passed this in 1986. And what they did, they had a reform that was formulated by a socialist group of people in Europe that wanted to find out how can they control America. And in doing that, they passed a couple bills that was approved by our Congress allowing the international laws to govern what we were doing. And what they didn't take in consideration was that the American big businesses had sent everything out of America and to overseas in order not to follow the climate controls of America. And because of that, we lost the status of being an industrial productive country. And now everyone is going into what's happening in Europe and in uh, China and other countries. And this gets tied now into how does these countries formulate a plan to control, and they did this, of course, through the Paris Climate Accord, which the president had elected not to be part of, and with mm -hmm. good reasoning, because had he been part of it, we would have been under the domination of the foreign governments, and we would have lost the power of the Supreme Court. But I'm going to take this a step farther, and the step farther is that Venezuela is being controlled by the same countries that we are calling aggressive polluters of the world, and that is, of course, China and Russia. And they are... Which Russia has not joined the uh, uh, the Paris Accord. Go ahead. As of yet, that's correct. Uh, but what's happening, China has, and China has our major businesses, General Motors and other companies have now went there. Uh, so we're we're looking at the people that pulled out. Governor Scott just wrote an article, which is relevant to the fact that we wrote the article six months ago uh, about what's happening in Venezuela, and, and they're electing um, bring in the young men in Venezuela, and then shoot and kill the women in Venezuela in order to take over the country, and it's all being supported and paid for by the same way that. Cuba got involved. 
Now, I'm going to tie that back into the next part because we're going to get into the immigration. So people that don't understand that when we said Agenda 21 and we said the climate control and we bring in the Illuminatis and then we bring in Venezuela and we bring in China and then we bring in the things and then we get into Al Green. We get into uh, the Cuban uh, refugees who came in the boat lift and how they left their countries and they came into America as is the Venezuelans and in so doing they were being forced out and then take control of our politicians so there are five individuals if you pull them up you'll find that they are mainly Republicans but one Democrat which is Al Green these individuals are part of a illegal group of individuals that are either tied into the Black Lives Matter, which is a group out of England, uh, which is tied into the Muslim network, or they're tied into Sawyers, uh, which are the Cuban boatlift individual Republicans. So I wanted people to kind of get a bigger overview tonight when you're when you're talking about a item of President Trump and you say I'm for climate control and you realize that climate is controlled by God and it'll change in a moment and that your flowers use carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide produces oxygen and the humans breathe oxygen so you can't take 1% of the world and say you're killing everything if, in fact, there's a positive result. But if you use that argument, which has been used by a lot of people, you have to ask why is the United Nation and the Pope, who are all for one world power, using the terminology and scientific data, which is unfounded, you're going to get into the, the murders under the Clintons. You're going to get into the murders of, of, of Seth. You're going to get into all these issues. But you've got to use one terminology when you do this. How does the three major systems work? Well, in the compliance to the co- co- communistic world, governing body is the goal of global warming and climate change deception and it's the life-threatening. And on our web, we actually produced articles showing that in the 60 years of, of peacekeeping, hey, how the Tolbert, UN... Yes, sir. What, what is the, what, uh, give us the address of that website. Well, I can, what I can do is the, the one address is the United Nations. And I sent this to you earlier, uh, Brad. Uh, you mm-hmm. have the email which gives you about five websites which goes into the becoming world government and how the United Nations is taking us there. Uh, the global. Well, I'll, talk about, I'll talk about your website, Dr. Tolbert. Oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, calltoduty.org. So www.calltoduty.org. And that website is uh, covering, uh, it's covering Al Green. Uh, it's covering the Obama treason uh, network. It's covering the different politicians that are leading us for the impeachment of Trump and why they're trying to do it. It's going to tie together the uh, information about Agenda 21 and the purpose behind it. And so what I do is I kind of look at one item and I try to say, how does that fit in 
you taking a look at a murder and you say, well, how does that fit into one world power? Well, I guess you got to go back and say, does it t- tie in to the Federal Reserves? Uh, what's the legitimacy of information that may or may not be given? And how does one world power information become more adapted to the press and, and, and the world news. So all these items uh, in Governor Scott now talking about how bad it is and how uh, we're not going to allow people to go to Venezuela to feed the poor and how we're going to not help people like we did in uh, 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 Cuba. And so we're going to make the people suffer rather than take action uh, against the actual president of these countries were allowing people to die by the hundreds and the thousands as we did in other countries. And this is what our biggest concern is that the American people don't realize if we don't go into Venezuela and help the Venezuelan people, uh, China and Russia will take them and they will take them over. And if we don't go in and make changes and do things to help the people in these countries, China and Russia is doing that. They're in the Commonwealth of Dominica. They're in Trinidad. Uh, they're going into Dominican Republic already. Uh, they're buying into the land. They're buying into the stuff. They own uh, your your. Uh, they just bought a couple of your uh, companies here in America. Uh, they are now your uh, meat companies, uh, your chicken companies. Uh, they're all being bought out. When you talk on your show tonight. I would like the, the the people that listen to the show think outside of the box. I want them to think, well, how does this tie into one world power? How does it tie into the Illuminati? Where's the Freemasons involved in this? Is this heading toward a socialist nation? How does the UN fit into it? Why is the Pope pushing climate control, who is in control of the Federal Reserve, through the Jesuits? So everybody tonight, look at the whole show Think about all these elements, but then tie it into your conversation. And I know you have guest speakers and you have normal speakers, and maybe they'll rethink their position uh, of the Constitution, the 13 uh, states founded on God and the principle of God, and how we no longer have that principle. How in the universities today that were Christian universities, the segregation of the universities, uh, several colleges now have dorms and special meeting rooms for transgenders, barring Christians from going into a area, yet a transgender or homosexual is allowed to come into your area, but you can't go into those. How an African-American can bar a Caucasian, but a Caucasian cannot bar an African-American. How this all leads us into a disruption of America not in the common accord, how we need to get rid of gender identity, how we need to get rid of uh, the words of Caucasians or or black or Hispanic American or African American. We need to put the word others, that we're all uh, people of God. We're we're members of the Holy Spirit. We're all under one creator. We're one of the only countries that identify in order to separate And that is the problem with America in the Constitution. It doesn't give us the right to say uh, on your driver's license that you're a a Caucasian male. 
uh, your name. Uh, they said, well, we need that for the doctors. Well, I think the doctor can look at you and see what you are. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting so, you say that, Dr. Tolbert. And we do have a Colleen on the line. I think she'll want to talk to yourself and, and us and, uh, you know, about the, our topics tonight. Uh, and we'll bring you on in a, in a few moments here, Colleen. Uh, but actually, I was uh, working last night, and someone, uh, you know, showed a, a, a ID from the U.K., uh, now I was basically looking at you know other aspects of the of it other than you know if it if it stated you know I guess the person's race uh, but I, yeah I don't recall seeing anything on the on that UK driver's license uh, you know does that you know designating you know which race that that he was yeah and that's the same you know I served in the military for 22 years and and 15 of those years were in Germany. And they basically were going to find that most all countries besides the U.S. puts down your race. If you go to Cuba, they don't have your Chinese or your American or your black or your white. And uh, one of the women that I had married, uh, his father was Chinese and the mother was Cuban. But when she came to America and got born, they called her black um, because of the fact of her dark complexion even though the mother was Cuban and the father was Chinese and she didn't get to pick up the fact that she was Hispanic. Uh, why do we need to even put the fact of the Caucasian or black or Hispanic or Caribbean? Uh, what's the purpose behind it if for no other reason to figure out how I get you to vote for me? And you got to look at that goes into your districting and how districting was originally set up uh, for the uh, uh, the slaves uh, to give them equal opportunity. Well, now districting is set up for political purposes only. So your driver's license and your identifications and other things are all set up for one purpose. That's to control you politically by your race or to set funds aside by your race. Well, why? What's the purpose? It's unconstitutional. Under the First Amendment, why am I restricting you? And, and, you know, we can get into 501c3s. We can get into unconstitutional. Uh, you know, we can get into the fact that Trump signed the bill of Section 8 of the IRS, which should have never been passed to begin with because of the unconstitutional of controlling churches. You know, all this stuff comes together that it's nothing but a political thing taking to one world power that's been in the making Ever since the beginning, civil war, you know, we go into, we lost the United States of America, the 10 square miles belongs to a bank in England. Uh, they changed the word United States of America to the United States of America. Congress should have been impeached. Congress today sh still should be impeached. Uh, the, you know, we just stop and listen to your news people. But, but when you listen to it, you know, go back and research the name of the person. Al Green in Texas comes from Florida is a member of the Black Caucus group. He's a member of the uh, the Black Brotherhood of the Black Muslims. He's a member of Black Lives Matter, which is a group of Muslims out of England. So my statements are true, and I was sitting in the White House, which is probably going to happen very soon now. Uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to investigate everybody that's trying to impeach. I want to know where their background, where they're coming from, and why are they using that, and what's the purpose behind it, and how that is all moving America out of the Constitution? And I, I just think we got a real problem. 
And I'm, I just wanted to bring that to your attention when you start tonight, uh, Brad, and I appreciate the opportunity. Go ahead and let your other guests come on. Well, I appreciate that. We're going to keep your line open as we do, uh, as you know, Dr. Tolbert, and so we can, you know, be a part of our roundtable discussion. We do have other folks on the line. Just push the one the, on your number dial, and we will get, uh, you know, to our article here and then our other uh, discussions. But first, let's go ahead and bring in Colleen. Thank you very much, Colleen, for coming to the show. Uh, where are you calling from, and how are you doing tonight? Uh, well, I'm doing good. I'm in New York. Actually, I New have York? two questions. Most most of us understand the Agenda 21, and we know the, U- the U.N. is involved, but how do we stop it? The second question is, can you name the Republicans that are behind this so the people will know? We actually have it on the website, the list of everybody, and because of everything that I'm doing right now, I don't have the paperwork in front of me, but there's a Republican in uh, – Miami, uh, that's of uh, the House of Representatives in Miami. His name is Carl, is his first name, and I don't recall his last name. He's the one screaming impeachment. He's a second generation of the Cuban boat lift. Uh, his, his, his funding is by uh, Sawyer's, same as Marco Rubio, who's coming out with a bunch of things, but he's not doing anything to positively uh, protect or enforce the President of the United States. And I, there are a lot of the Cubans coming out of Miami. So what I would suggest that everybody pulls up their local representative, finds out where that representative came from. Are they part of the Cuban boat lift? And then why are these people screaming impeachment? So uh, every state has a different group of individuals, but there are four or five individuals in the state of Florida. There's about a handful in the state of uh Texas that are really doing a lot of the complaining. Um, and they I, don't. Real, real quick, Dr. Tolbert, I think that guy's uh, name is Carlos uh, Curbelo, is the Republican yes, you're speaking right. of yeah. from yes, Florida. That's correct. Okay. I, have it, I have it on my paperwork, but it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's correct. You know, and this is the guy that is a, uh, he comes in, his par- you know, it's kind of like Marco Rubio's parents. You know, Marco Rubio was born in 1971, his parents in 1975. Uh, they never naturalized Marco Rubio, and you know, and and we're sitting with another guy whose parents come in from Cuba. Uh, they were and they should be arrested. Well, absolutely. They, absolutely, they should be arrested for even running for office because they're illegal to even run for office. Well, your Correct? governor of Florida should be arrested for allowing them to be even on the ballot to begin with, and of course they take the position and under the federal constitution. That if you run for federal office, the state of Florida has no authority, uh, and that's the way the state of Florida looks at it. And I ran for the Senate, you know, in the state of Florida, and they want to investigate me because I'm a no party affiliated. But if I'm a Republican or a Democrat, then they say the verification of my running for office is already done by that party. Whereas if you're no party affiliated, you have no one to endorse you or prove that you are an American citizen. So you have to prove that. Well, they never proved Obama was because he's not. Well, he's not. And in fact, the the president of his country in Kenya uh, says this is where he was born. There's videos on it showing where he was born. It's showing uh, a lot of this and the fake fake birth certificates. And in part of the article that we wrote on Al Green, we actually 
uh, copied a, uh, a a website on the impeachment uh, theories and treasonable acts by Obama. And of course, the reason why they pursue Obama is because the racial issue would have caused a discord in America, and so all oh, the yeah. Republicans just supported it. Yeah. With oh, Trump, yeah. they don't care because he's a Caucasian. And, uh, you know, he is a second uh, generation uh, from Germany. But, you know, and, you know, and there's a lot of good things about uh, President <laughs> Trump. But we can also trace his pa- family back to the Freemasons and uh, back into the 1800s of the Illuminati's. So you kind of, you know, you got to really be careful when you look at people's background and, you know, how they're doing. We, we filed antitrust uh, violations against the Democrats and Republicans two years ago with the federal government. And, and they recognized it. They put it on file. We filed a uh, legal action against the state of Florida. Uh, they want you to go to what We went to the Supreme Court on it. And, and the Supreme Court said, you can't come to us. you got to go to lower court. And I said, no, you need to read Section 3. The last sentence says, as the people, I can come directly to you. Uh, we sent letters to the uh, new Supreme Court justice uh, showing the violations of the Constitution. All this is available at calltoduty.org. Um, so you, you're go- I know you're going into a different conversation tonight, but I just think it's important that everybody looks at everything. Um, could we all do like a civil suit against them and you can. to bring it all you to can. a head? You, you can actually do that, and, and you, you know, you can uh, file a civil action, or, but you can actually file criminal charges, too. We filed a civil suit against the state of Florida uh, for their uh, uh, closed elections, uh, closed primaries, uh, uh, for the fact that they did not allow felons to vote under the Constitution. It says once you serve your time, you have allowed allowance to vote under Amendment uh, the uh, Article 5. Um, Amendment 5 There's many things that the people aren't reading And they're not understanding When they read things They're just assuming that the politician Is correct And so they're not questioning What's going on But yeah, everybody could actually Go and there's a a, um, I don't have it in front of me But there's a form you can fill out And we have a copy of it Written on our website And all you do is just change it um, to what you want to do, and they they want to charge you four hundred dollars to file a civil action, but just go in there, you don't have any money, and don't pay the four hundred dollars and file it against the lower courts. But I think everybody needs to write to Supreme Court itself. I think you need to stop writing your local uh, courts. The uh, Congress is the one who assigns your federal judges. Um, it's not done by your state. I think you need to go to the Supreme Court and ask for clarification of what Congress is doing. I think that you need to go to your le- local uh, Congress, uh, U.S. Senator. I think you need to uh, uh, bring suits against your governor. Uh, Texas oh, my, the- I'm in, like I said, I'm in liberal New York. Uh, Como, Schumer, all of them, they have to go. We have to get them out somehow. I just don't know how. Yeah. I, I'm, and I I'm trying to get people to stand up. Right, and I don't think you can do it by petition. I think everybody just needs to file something. When we get into this, uh, you, you need to file a document against the governor, to your governors. You need to write letters to your senators. Enough people do that, that senator is going to realize that he's not going to get elected. 
And if he's not going to get elected, then he's going to change what he's doing, even though temporary, until he can bamboozle you into doing something else. He's at least going to start the ball rolling. Um, people don't understand Agenda 21 at all. They don't understand how it started. They oh. don't understand the purpose behind it. It's really a shame. Oh, I understand about 90% of it. Yeah. And we've had Lisa Corey on. Perhaps we'll get uh, reach back out to her. Uh, and because uh, she goes around the country to uh, talk about uh, Agenda 21, and perhaps we'll have her on again, and, and perhaps even our guest in the coming hour, uh, Mark Musser, uh, he, he may have uh, some things to think about uh, Agenda 21 as well. Uh, but what, what we're going to do, uh, Colleen, is we are going to keep you on the line, and that's part of our roundtable discussion. You're, as well, you're welcome uh, to stay on the show and stay on our long, uh, line as much as possible. Just be mindful because your mic will stay open, your line will stay open, uh, be mindful of any background noise or anything of that nature because your mic's live. And it'll be live throughout the show as long as you stay with us, and you're welcome to stay with us and be part of our roundtable discussion for the entire show. You're welcome to do that. Uh, but what I'm going to do now is we do have two other folks uh, who are ready to chime in. We have Susan, we have Jim, and uh, Jim, we're going to get you on. And so uh, let's welcome uh, Colleen. Uh, let's welcome Jim as well as uh, – you, Dr. Tolbert. So, thank you very much, uh, Jim, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? How are you doing, uh, Robert? Um, Great. I, I guess kind of. I, I came in about ten, fifteen or so, ten, twelve, and kind of, uh, and maybe some of the other listeners did too. So, who? Maybe you could tell us who was the gentleman speaking, and uh, is he the guest on the first hour, and what's the topics we're supposed to be talking about tonight? Well, certainly, no, it's Dr. Tolbert. He's, uh, he's a regular caller here, uh, also from uh, Call of Duty. Is it .org or uh, .com, Dr. Tolbert? It's uh, calledoduty.org, and for your information, I'm a doctor of education, retired master sergeant, pastor, high school dropout, ran for the U.S. Senate in Florida, caregiver for three women in their 90s. Uh, my resume is sitting on President Trump's desk. Uh, the John DeStefano took my resume did a background investigation. Uh, they sat down with John and the president uh, with my resume, wrote me a personal letter back uh, about reviewing my background and asked me what they can do for me. We submitted a letter back to them. Uh, we write letters directly to the president concerning the issues that you're talking about tonight. And I write a lot of articles on a lot of things on calledoduty.org. Uh, we, I ran for the U.S. Senate. I ran for the uh, governor of Florida. I, and, I, and, I, and I have a school of theology, uh, which is CFACS.com. So that's kind of my background in Agenda 21, the One World Power, the Illuminati's, the Jesuits, the Federal Reserves, the U.N., uh, the fact that Al Green uh, is part of the Black Brotherhood formulated in England. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, how it's formulated, ties all together. The Cuban, we uh, summarize real quick, uh, the Republicans that came out of Cuba, uh, the first generation, uh, how they're now screaming impeachment, yet they couldn't do anything in their own country, and they leave because of criminal actions by their parents, and now they're trying to take over America. And, uh, and, and real quick, uh, so two, two sets of notes. One, Jim, to answer your question is uh, th three of the main topics this evening uh, we'll be discussing is, uh, one, even though uh, you know, Sean Hannity can no longer, at least apparently, uh, talk about the uh, Seth Rich murder, 
uh, we here on Bard's Logic can. And so uh, we, you know, we'll be discussing some of that. If, if we don't get fully into it, you can find the article that I have uh, here that I have prepared for us tonight. Uh, everything you want to know about Seth Rich story. You can also find that on the Bard's Logic Political Talk uh, page on Facebook. So if you want to read that article later, you can. As well as uh, when you go to uh, www.calltoduty.org, it uh, uh, changes actually into, and it's the same website, I believe, or the link is www.cfabamerica.com. Uh, I believe they're one and the same, or at least uh, the uh, calltoduty.org uh, links you uh, to that. So I uh, just wanted to make a disclaimer because when you go on to uh, to that, it, it, it like the change of the link to cfabamerica.com. Uh, so I just want people to not be alarmed by when they see that, uh, that is indeed the case. Is that That is true, correct, Dr. Tolbert? Yeah, and the reason why is Citizens for a Better America is cfabamerica.com. And what we've done, we formulated uh, several uh, things because we, we submitted paperwork for a political party, which was Citizens <laughs> for America, and we fought, we're still fighting with the uh, state of Florida. So uh, under CFAB America, under uh, GoDaddy, we then decided to go with Call to Duty. And one of the advantages, you can have seven or eight different sites, and you can tie them all back to your main site. So if somebody wanted to go to uh, Citizen for America or Citizen for America uh, .world or Citizens for America .us, it's all going to take you back to Citizens for a Better America .com. And, and also, uh, Jim, we're also, you know, in the second hour, we're going to have Mark Busser, who is an alumni uh, from the uh, Evergreen, Com, the uh, Evergreen State College. And so he'll be calling in as our guest for the second hour, our second segment. He'll be calling from uh, Olympia, Washington, and he'll be and talking about, the, you know, his experiences there, as well as I'm sure uh, his take on, on what's going on in, in the schools and in the college, what it teaches, you know, things of that nature. So that's going to be part of our second segment. And then the third uh, segment, we'll be talking about immigration. I do have an interesting audio clip uh, from, and I won't tell which one, so stay and listen. Uh, to one of uh, just it's about a minute or so long clip, but you'll find it very interesting and, and, and very uh, linked to uh, what you're hearing today. And this is actually a clip from one of Bill Clinton's State of the Union addresses. I won't tell which one. Uh, I'll let you guys find out <laughs> when uh, when you listen to it. I'll, I'll reveal that when uh, you listen to it. But it, it really does uh, come to today, and you'll find it uh, fascinating, especially with uh, some of the things we're hearing about. Uh, in regards to what Donald, some of the things Donald Trump is trying to do uh, when it comes to uh, uh, immigration, especially uh, illegal immigration. Uh, so we'll have that in the, in the third hour where we'll talk about that. But uh, so that's what we're kind of covering. And, and Dr. Colbert, I think, did a very nice job of tying it all in uh, in the earlier part of the show. And if he's able to stay with us to the end, uh, maybe we can use that to wrap the entire thing that we're talking about that. Uh, together as well, but uh, as we have here, uh, that's a synopsis, Jim, and so uh, you have the okay. floor. Go ahead. Okay. And Evergreen is that the college where the where there's a minority of the students taken over the college? Correct. When you say yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's where they had uh, the they wanted to have the uh, the the day where there was no whites coming onto the uh, okay, the campus, and then one of the professors did, and there was big uproar, and then right. there's. Kids roaming the halls right. with baseball bats and you know things of that nature. Mm -hmm. That was on that was on Tucker Carlson. Yeah. So, um, 
my my name full name is Jim Condit Jr. I'm founder of Watch the Vote uh, Watch the Vote USA, uh, and we caused the um, by the grace of God caused the Iowa Republican Party to change the winner in 2012 from Romney to Santorum two weeks later. Although we think Ron Paul probably really won, and I think we had a were instrumental in getting candidate Trump just bring up in starting July 1st that he was afraid the election was going to be rigged against him. But that's, you know, there's uh, the, 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 um, I certainly agree with the, uh, well, I uh, certainly, I certainly agree with you there, Jim. I think bringing up the, uh, you getting it out there, your organization getting out there about the electronic voter fraud. I, I, well, no, I really think that, you you know, it alerted the powers that be to to keep that at bay. Go ahead. And you handed to, uh, Former Congressman Virgil Good, one of the sheets that may have got to Trump, I imagine it did, you know, and it was all telling him you got to bring this up. And four months after uh, we got something to him for sure, and then you, about a month, I think, after you did, he started bringing it up. Um, and then on October 26, he brought up that the, 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 in Maryland, Texas, Colorado, People were pressing Trump, and the uh, touchscreens that had no paper were switching to Hillary. So Hannity, with Newt Gingrich on the air, uh, brought it up, and then Trump tweeted that to his 20 million people uh, five uh, uh, five hours later. And I maybe it was 17 million at that time between Twitter and Facebook. So um, I believe that was one of the key three or four factors that caused the establishment to stand down. And let the Trump victory stand. Now, they could have fixed it. And this is something I want to say regarding this idea of running for office and all this. There's no there's not going to be getting anybody out of anything unless we get rid of this computer voting system. And uh, that's something we've talked about at length, Robert. I don't I'm not I'm just going to touch on a few things now and clear the way for other people to talk. But for Mr. For Dr. Tolbert, um, open letter to Donald Trump dot com is one site. We have uh, electionnightgatekeepers.com. I would strongly urge you to look at those because you're, especially if you would get to meet Trump, uh, he needs to, this, you know, he's, a, uh, Robert, are you aware he established by executive order the uh, Election Integrity Commission? Uh, I didn't hear, like, a lot of details on that. It's probably just, you know, something that uh, passed uh, by yep. that, you know, I've heard of, but yep. I'd, like, I'd like to get more details on that. Well, Tucker Carlson had on the state, Secretary of State of Kansas, uh, Mr. Kobach, K-O-B-A-C-H, who's one of the people, Mike Pence's chariot. Yeah, the media does not, is not at all emphasizing this. And, of course, Nancy Pelosi, when Trump established it, said he doesn't have time to look into that. He's got too many things to do to look into the election system. Well, of course, because once you look into any part of it, it it's, it's, uh, uh, makes Watergate look like a – a Sunday school picnic where everything was honest, you know, and, and really, as Pat Buchanan <laughs> right. said, as Pat Buchanan said, Nixon rustled a calf and he was hung by the biggest horse thieves in town. So Watergate was always a non-event compared to the scandals we're really facing. But so we we got to get an honest count. And of course, this is off the radar. All this rushing hacking baloney is is to divert people's attention from the fact that three companies. Uh, multi-billion-dollar George Soros-type companies, uh, uh, and, and one of them is related to him by one remove some one company removed, uh, are counting 96% of our votes on uh, on secret computer programs. So that's one thing. 
Um, the uh, as far can as I, the judges. Can I, can I add to that a second? Because what it is. And real quick, your... Doctor Tober, before you and real uh, quick, Doctor, before you do, I do want to welcome uh, Carolyn and uh, Bianchi to our chat. Uh, so we want to welcome them uh, to the show as well. Uh, so thank you very much uh, for coming there in the chat, yeah. to Carolyn Pianchi. And yeah. for those on the line, you'd like to chime in, give us a call, 347-945-7428. And Carolyn will bring that up about Seth Richard knew about voter fraud. You bring up voter fraud uh, with Hillary and Bernie and how Hillary stole the election. And that's one of the things that I think he uh, got over to WikiLeaks. But go, go ahead, Dr. Colbert and Jim. And, uh, and yeah. after Dr. Yeah. Colbert's comment – Romney uh, owns Tobin. the voting machines in eight states. Uh, Sawyer's owns the voting machines in 10 states. And Bill Gates is the one putting the computer chips into the machines that Romney and Sawyer's owns. And so I just want to restate what you were stating so that people understand that over 25 states currently are governed and controlled by electronic counts by two individuals that are trying to take you to one world power. Yeah, and, and actually, except for half of New Hampshire, 49 and a half states are run by one of these super computer companies. Uh, by that, I mean super big. Uh, I wanted to mention, and then I'll go, let you move on to get to other people, Robert. I just want to mention one other thing. I certainly agree that there is a background shadow government. I, I really praise Hannity for constantly harping on the deep state, the deep state, which is another word for the shadow government. And the deep state, needless to say, is not just Obama hangovers. The deep state has been around since Congress foolishly uh, delegated the Federal Reserve System to the international, certain international bankers. And, of course, so since the Federal Reserve System is in, that was the beginning of the takeover of America, which was pretty much – the founding fathers still have them outsmarted because we have our guns. Gun control is checking the deep state, the shadow government, from going any further than they have. They really don't like Trump in there, in my opinion. That's why they're pounding on him 24 hours a day with all kinds of trivia to keep, try to keep his agenda out of the news. He gave a great speech today in Cincinnati. I saw it on TV. All the channels thankfully covered it. It was a great speech, but you won't hear about that. You'll hear about some mythical Russian hacking that never happened. <laughs> right. And all likely. And then, so the, so the, just as the United States began to be taken over by this criminal element, and I'm not against the United States, I'm against the criminals who are warping so much of our government and destiny. We've got to get them, kick them out, put them on trial. And the same as the communists sat back until they had everything under control, and then they toppled the czar and killed the czar, and that was the takeover of Russia. I wanted to say something in relation to the current crop of people posing as popes. I'm a Catholic. I'm still a Catholic. But the, uh, uh, the, the Vatican, in like manner, was taken over in 1958 by the, 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 the international bankers, the Rothschilds, and so forth. So what you see in the last five decades, roughly, six decades now, is not the Catholic Church. It is a counterfeit church. That's why Benedict XV, before Francis, called for a world bank. Francis is almost dropping the mask he's such a buffoon he's almost dropping the mask that there there's the people in charge have nothing to do with the catholic church before 1958 and but most catholics still buy what's going on the we don't need to get into this in this program because i don't think we got the time but i did want to disagree with or throw out a 
uh, disagreement with one thing that Dr. Pa- uh, Tolbert said without, I, I hope not without being unpleasant or disrespectful, but uh, in my view, uh, and Robert, I'd be glad to come on the show and debate this anytime with, with anybody. I've offered to debate Eric John Shelps. The entire Jesuit thing is a, is a total hoax. It, it is, uh, yes, right now the Jesuits like the Vatican is under control of the New World Order crowd. So what they're doing is just um, not good. But the idea that Jesuits were the uh, power behind the New World Order or the Illuminati or anything like that is a complete fiction made up by those who are actually behind it. So I just want I had to throw that out because I think I, it, it's such a it's such an important point, and I hear so many people picking up on the what basically is propaganda started by Jack Chick and Eric John Phelps. Uh, and you'll find if you go back to, for instance, 1890, there's one famous essay by the Jesuits out of the Vatican when the Vatican was still the Vatican that called for measures to stop what they say said would be a horrible 20th century if it wasn't done, that we were headed for an absolutely horrible 20th century if this New World Order power wasn't stopped. In 1958, all that kind of talk stopped, and, and, and you had basically a Vatican that was now – supporting the new world order as fast as they could so anyway robert i don't know that probably throws a bombshell that's totally yeah, off well, topic. we could it. definitely do, do a whole segment of that show on that and, and perhaps we'll schedule yeah, something for that i mean that, i find it fascinating we do have susan on the line so let's go ahead dr tolbert go and ahead. then we'll bring in susan and real quick and this is how we'll do it here uh programming okay. note it's, uh, and and I, the, the show's flying because our, our, our guest's going to be here in about 15 minutes, so here's how we're going to do it. Uh, of course, uh, Dr. Tobel will give you an opportunity to, the, the, to chime in on that. Then uh, part of our roundtable discussion, I definitely want to bring Colleen back in, and then you, Jim, and we do have other folks on the line. Just push the one on your number dial when you're ready to get in. Uh, we'll have Kelly. He'll be coming in later as well. Uh, but we'll, that's how we'll do it, and then we'll keep uh, this topic or this going. And then, again, if, if you missed uh, when you read that article about the Seth Rich murder, you can find that on the Bard's Logic Political Talk page on Facebook, uh, where you can uh, click on that and, uh, you know, read that later because we, we may not get to that article tonight. That's okay. Part of the organic nature of the show. But let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Dr. Tolbert, and then we're going to bring it over uh, to Colleen and then Jim, and then we'll, uh, we'll move forward until uh, our next guest case. Go ahead, Dr. Tolbert. <coughs> And real quick, uh, the current pope is the first Jesuit pope that we've had at the Vatican. We've never had a Jesuit pope. We now have our first Jesuit pope. Secondly, the Titanic sank with nine members of the Federal Reserves, and the Federal Reserves is controlled by the Jesuits. So you take all these elements and you, you cap them off someplace. Uh, the climate control, controlling and, and done by the U.N., the other issues. And I think there's an argument for, and I think there's an argument against, the big thing that everybody takes both areas in consideration and come to a conclusion, whether it's mine about the Illuminati's and the Jesuits and their relationship in one world power, you have to remember the G3, which we don't know who they are, are the ones controlling what's happening. And under the doctrine of prophecy by Muhammad is the Pope would convert over to uh, Islam. And the Pope is now saying the Christians are the problem of the world and not the Muslims. And, you know, I was a Catholic before I became a pastor. 
and I have degrees in theology. And so my bases are by discernment, by reading, and by studying. And I appreciate the comments made. And there is more truth in what he said than what we want to imagine. There's a fictitious group of individuals trying to set up a front so that we can look at other things. And I'm going to go back. There's three individuals running this whole show, and their only concern is how do we take over the world? Whether you want to call it the Jesuits, the Illuminatis, you want to call it the Freemasons, uh, you want to call it Muslim, communism, socialism, it's not relevant. These words are just words. We all got to get back to the fact there are three individuals controlling this, and that's all I got to say about it, uh, Brad. Well, let's go ahead and bring it. Uh, let's go ahead and bring it back to uh, Colleen and then Jim, and then you know, we'll we'll keep on uh, this path until our our guest calls, uh, which I believe he's uh, scheduled to call at the top of the hour. Uh, I do see some more, as I said, callers. If you want to chime into this, uh, go. Oh, looks like Doctor, we lost uh, Doctor Colbert's call, um, and perhaps uh, that's uh, all he'll be able to spend with us this evening. Uh, but then uh, we'll, we'll, him and I will talk off air on that. But let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Colleen. Uh, well, I wanted to say that I'm Catholic, and I have to agree that the Pope is definitely a false pope. Um, what I'm taking from all of this is that there are different groups. Are they all grouped together that are coming after us, or are they separate groups that want to take over America? Robert, I'd go over uh, to you, Jim, because I think Dr. Colbert has, has, uh, yeah. as he said, he's left the call, so we'll bring that over to you. Go ahead. Do you think he left it voluntarily or he got disconnected? Is that, well, I'm texting him as we speak, so we'll find out. Go ahead. Yeah. I hope he makes it back. I was, there's so much. Uh, so let me, let me address uh, Colleen's question. Uh, the, you know, it's, in, in, in these movies, like a sports movie or something, they'll say, follow the money. Follow the money. Mm. Well, let's follow the money at the top of the world. Who has the ability to issue unlimited money for their projects? Bilderberg, the bank. Yeah, well, the Federal Reserve, the International Monetary Fund, they can fund the think tanks. They can buy the politicians. They can buy the media, which they've done. They can fund the secret assassination squads. And so that is where the power is. Now, all the things I'm not going to address. Well, maybe what happened with Seth Rich is about where you talk about these assassinations. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, and, and even President Kennedy and Robert Kennedy and, and George Wallace and Martin Luther King, these guys either were causing problems or they went off their job description or whatever. Uh, so <laughs> my point is, is that with these powerful bankers, okay, who basically are tied together by a, a um, ideology, a religion that, that we could argue is Satanism, even if they don't realize that's what it is. Some of them may be consciously doing some stuff. But it's basically one group. <laughs> it's the international banks. It's the Fed, the International Monetary Fund, the Bank of Settlements in Switzerland. All these financial entities in the Western world are tied together, and then they have factions, and without getting into the debate that may be, we may discuss more in a future show, Robert, right now, right as we're sitting here, the Freemasons, the Jesuits, the, uh, the Vatican, which occupied, I would say occupied Vatican, 
uh, the Netanyahu faction of the Jewish leaders, which is formidable worldwide. Um, uh, the, the, most of them at the top still call, think of themselves as Trotskyite communists. Of course, the communism is for us. The billionaire status and ruler status is for them. So there are factions, but they generally work together. When somebody gets out of line, they just kill them. There was a famous, a big guy like Rupert Murdoch type, uh, a guy named Robert Maxwell, who was a big uh, media guy in the 80s and 70s and 90s. His real, he had a different name. He was Hungarian to start with. But his English name he took was Robert Maxwell. And he was about 75, or I guess, or 70 back then. And he got out of line. They just threw him over his yacht. And his yacht was like a... a, a a titanic looking boat it wasn't like a you could fall off you had to be lifted up and thrown off so they kill each other occasionally but yeah it's pretty much one plan although now that they've gotten closer the people are rising up all over the joint and the trump victory even though trump knows all these people and is kind of in the works all his life you know he knows almost all these people I believe, I think, Robert, you still believe that I'm not happy with everything Trump has done, but the Trump family, I think, wants to go down, you know, Donald Trump to go down as a great president. He wants to rejuvenate America. He's not a secret communist like uh, so many of these people uh, seem to be, whether they would call themselves that or not. And so it's one group and the banks, they do fight. There are factions. But they, they pretty much work together. This thing with Hillary and Trump, where Hillary got so sick, uh, which was, I think, the grace of God that Hillary couldn't even campaign. Everybody knew it. Trump was getting five to 25,000 people at his, his rallies for 10 months. Hillary couldn't get 400 people. Him bringing up the vote fraud. Remember, that in the last two debates, Lester Holt and uh, Chris Wallace of Fox, in almost the last questions in the debate, the two and three, said to Trump, will you accept the election results? In the third debate, Trump gave the right answer. You remember he said, I'll keep you in suspense. I'll wait and look at the evidence. So they knew they were facing perhaps perhaps lawsuits, and even one lawsuit against one state by somebody as visible as Trump. So the answer is – so I'm not trying to preach defeatism here. All the shows like Roberts, all the people working, uh, they need to understand how to get into the precinct system, which is why I was hoping Dr. Tolbert would get to talk to him again if he ever no, talks he, to Trump. No, he's back on. He, he, he okay. is back on. We've gotten it back on the line. Let me just, let me just sum up in, in, in addressing this by saying to Dr. Tolbert and everybody, Trump needs to make a call right now. And this is everything we're talking about, Robert, every few sentences we could do a whole show on, as you know. But Trump needs to make right, a call right now. <laughs> He, he needs to make a call. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had more time to right. do multiple shows a week. Yeah. Right. So he needs to make a call right now or soon that – and in case Dr. Tober wasn't on, let me just repeat real quick that I said that right now, without getting into the big debates of who's exactly where, right this second, the international banks fund – you know, funding everything – the Freemasons, the Jesuits, the occupied Vatican, they're all working for the New World Order. So as far as us people in the cheap seats are concerned, we got to work in this country to restore, keep constitutional government, keep our guns, restore freedom. So that we can all work together. But what last thing I'm going to say, Robert, for now, what Trump needs to do is say he needs to go on TV or on Twitter. I think he should and he should say, look, we I want all my supporters Democrats and Republicans, Trump Democrats and Trump Republicans, to get into the precinct system in every county. Because if we in the precinct, which is your precinct, is right around your house, about ten streets, 
the, the precinct people elected in each party in each county picked the party leaders. Party leaders picked the Congress and the Senate. They, you know, that's generally people in order to win. They can fix the voting machine. They can fix uh, – uh, they can start impeaching – and the, then the Congress can start impeaching these judges that Dr. Tober was talking about. There's a provision to impeach all the way up to the Supreme Court. That's what we need to do. We can, we can win, but we need Trump to – if Trump doesn't do it as a leader, I'm afraid – just like the election fraud. I've been screaming about election fraud for 40 years. It wasn't until Trump brought it up who's that visible. We need him to bring up everybody getting the precincts. We can overthrow the entire New World Order structure on the ground in the United States in two to four years if we would all get in the precincts and if people knew that that's what we needed to do. But you can't get anybody with a big microphone to mention that. So, okay, Robert, thanks for the time. And you got to get other people waiting to talk, I'm sure. Yeah, and we uh, we will keep, uh, as we do with everyone else here, uh, Jim, uh, we'll keep your line open. And so we'll give uh, Dr. Tolbert uh, a chance to chime in, and then we're going to bring in Susan. And then I do, you know, again, I see other folks in the line. Just push the one on your number dial. Uh, we'll get in. I guess for the next segment, uh, uh, maybe calling in shortly. But as I said, we'll be continuing this as long as uh, uh, we can until we bring him in. But, of course, even when he's here, uh, we will be keeping the lines open. So if any of you folks on the line, uh, want to have any comments or questions to him, uh, then, of course, we'll be welcome for you guys to do that. Do that. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Dr. Tolbert. Uh, real quick now, did you uh, did you have a specific question or anything, Colleen, that you wanted to ask, uh, Dr. Tolbert? Because I know you were asking something prior to them getting disconnected. And then uh, – Oh, no, I was listening. I was listening. I was just okay. listening now. Okay. Well, then, Dr. Tolbert, go ahead, and then we'll bring in Susan. Yeah, I just want to do a couple things. One, in 2014, Fox News had me at 14%, 1.4 million votes. I had 1 million uh, followers. I had 60,000 signed petitions. Leadership Florida would not let me debate with Chris and uh, Scott. Uh, they were at 8%. Uh, they found out that I had, that the uh, Libertation Party had 9%. So they changed the number uh, to a higher, to 10%. And then they found out I had 14%, so they changed the number to 15 you had to have. When the final votes got tallied, I ended up with 82 votes out of 1.4 million, 60,000 signed petitions, 200 meetings, and 1 million followers. So your answer to your question, voting fraud is an absolute. Your other issue about everything tying together, it absolutely ties together. Uh, there is some way, somehow, everybody has to know someone's manipulating the, uh, uh, let's, take, let's take the Masons out of Ireland. Uh, they're out of Ireland, and England removes himself. The Masons' home base, the Illuminati's home base. Let's go to the 1860s, the fathers and grandfathers and the great-grandfathers of, of our president, who's aware of all this, who may not be part of the group, but knows how to control the elements around him, uh, going that I would be sitting in the White House as a counselor uh, because of my background and my experience and my knowledge would make the president aware if he had a meeting with 30 people and I was sitting there and, and the 29, 28 people left and me and the president were sitting by ourselves, I could tie together those 28 people and do exactly what was just said on the show tonight. So I agree. The president has to get more of a direction from the non-Republican, non-Democrat viewpoint 
of where America is going. And I believe I can do that. I believe that the gentlemen on the shows can do that. We will bring a staff of people, uh, Sally from uh, uh, the uh, talk show I'm on on Monday nights, uh, the trade pack agreement, uh, the all these things that are going on. People just stop. Uh, we wrote the first article on bring jobs home and, uh, ten of our states actually changed on how they were doing the Constitution and their amendment to include New York. Uh, and we did that in 2010. Um, production, education, defense, we're away from it. We're not doing it. we got to get back to it. Education, production, defense, three key words of who we are in America. Without it, we're nothing. Go ahead, sir. Now let's go ahead at this point, uh, and I'm going to bring in Susan. Uh, yeah, I'm going to bring in Susan, and then our guest just tried to call me on my personal phone, uh, so I'm going to email him real quick uh, and, and have him just call us in on the uh, the call number. But first, let's go ahead and – what happened there? Uh, let's go ahead and welcome Susan. Uh, thank you very much Susan, for coming to the show. How are you? I'm fine. Tired, but fine. <laughs> um, welcome to the show. a little better. Um, I – you said in your 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 message to me that we're discussing Evergreen College, Seth Richards, and recent attacks in England, open to other topics as well. well <laughs> I'm pretty sure you would like to hear these other topics that I have. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't or would? <laughs> you would. <laughs> uh, Pelosi. Actually, bravo to her. Oh, I hate saying that. There isn't enough solid evidence to call for Donald Trump's impeachment. She said that, and the voice people argued with well, her. And, she uh, said there is not? Yep. There wasn't enough evidence available to call for Trump's impeachment. So, I've got well, that. Well, maybe that'll, from, uh, maybe that'll uh, quiet Maxine Waters. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Okay. Then Pierce Morgan slammed the Muslim London mayor on on terrorism. Yes, he did. I can't believe it. Both him and Pelosi have actually shown one good point (laughs) or common sense brain cell or something. He just landed on the mayor full time. Um, He said to the mayor that the buck stopped with him. You're the mayor. You're the mayor of London, he said. Um, he expressed dismay that people leaving to fight in foreign jihad would be allowed back in the country. So, I guess I'm surprising you with these little tidbits, huh? <laughs> um, now for the last one. How are we supposed to have a sane world? I'm serious about this. Uh, Swimming. Info Wars are proving their tolerance by having sex with refugees. Yes, indeedy. And these are not just children. You know, they, they call them child, but most, many of them are in their 20s and 30s. Uh, aren't you just excited to know that? How dumb are the Swedish women? Seriously, how dumb? How dumb does any woman have to be does she think these men care about this? Do any of them think this? If they do, they're crazy in the head. Lap dances for child refugees. <laughs> Honestly, 
I've never. If well, just when you think the world can't get any crazier, yeah, read something like that. So now you and, know why we have all, all the stupidity that we have. And at this time, we do have uh, our guest for the second segment. Uh, so we would be bringing Mark into the show. We also have, I believe, uh, Naj on the line, our good friend. Um, and so we'll uh, double check on that. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and uh, 404. Uh, I do see that uh, you will, will like to chime in. Uh, we do have our guest who called in, so we're going to get Mark in, and we will get you into the show. And uh, as I repeat, everyone uh, who was already on the line, we will, of course, uh, keep your lines open. So if you have the opportunity to want to ask any questions or speak with our guest, you're welcome to do so. So let's go ahead and uh, welcome back uh, to Bard's Logic. Uh, Mark Muster, thank you very much, Mark, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm I'm doing well. Oh, well, thanks for thanks for having me. Oh, great! Uh, thanks for coming on, and, and thanks for uh, the book that you sent me. I still, unfortunately, have not had the chance to read Nazio. I have read some oh, okay. of it. Okay, well, it, uh, it's been updated. I've not been so able to read all all of it, but <laughs> I've got mixed thoughts about it, to be honest with you, because you know uh, I am an environmentalist, so we'll have to uh, we'll maybe talk off <laughs> sometime. We have a discussion well, I mean, on that's that. That's another subject. Ahead. Yeah. That's another time. Yeah. I, I'm a conservationist. I, I distinguish between conservationism and environmentalism. Environmentalism right. I do, rec- really, I do recall yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that, that's how I look at the whole thing. But uh, so anyway, that's another discussion. Uh, with the, the events happening in your old alma mater? Well, uh, it's, it's, um, things are starting to settle down there, but they're nowhere near to being um, – you know, th- th- this is going to be something that's going to be carried forward for a while because the teachers themselves have not – you know they've been against Brett Weinstein, and of course he is the um, biology professor there, and he's the, the only guy that went against this you know anti-white day that the school decided they were going to do, and uh, he's been castigated for it, and even the faculty's against him, and um, the administration is is not for him either. They I mean you know they're probably not going to fire him, but they're going to probably make it kind of miserable for him. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, kind of a very um, yeah very uh, you know strange situation there at Evergreen. This guy, you know, in the past is known for fighting against racism, you know, maybe real racism, and then they make up stuff like this, and uh, he's uh, he's castigated. He's, you know, he's, he's had to teach in a park. So he was not allowed yeah, on campus I read to that. teach his own class. And could you imagine if they tried to do that with a, a no black day? Could you oh, imagine of course. That? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it would just, right, it, it would just be so... Uh, so outlandish. In fact, this was. In fact, he wrote. He wrote to them back in um, March what these students wanted to do. Normally, what they have done in the past. This has been, an, you know, a, I don't. I don't remember this day that they set aside. This is back in the 80s when I was there. I I went there in 1985. I graduated in 89. But apparently, they have this day of recognition of racism, where you, uh, you know, you would actually stay home. Colored people were allowed to stay home, or people that felt they were had been you know, a minority of some sort, they could stay home uh, or actually remove themselves, recuse themselves from college, and then they would out be politicking or activism somewhere against their cause. So that's what they did in the past. But this year they reversed it, and then they basically said no whites, you know, are allowed. And if you do come, then that means that you're not a friend of the minorities. Right. So so this is where Brett uh, Weinstein stepped in, who is Jewish, which is really interesting to me as well. And he wrote a letter back in March because they've been planning this for quite some time. This is not something they just did, you know, out of thin air. 
And kind of, you know, if you read this email, it's actually very sobering. It's very, you know, very well put together. I mean, there's nothing, um, you know, it's very common sense here. He said that when you first described the new structure for the day of absence or day of presence at a past faculty meeting where no room was left for questions, I thought I must have misunderstood what you said. Okay, so so he's looking at this and and he's thinking I, I haven't heard this correctly. I mean, you guys are actually going to require, you know, uh, no whites allowed. I mean, how could this be? So he he doesn't think it's actually true initially. Later emails seem to muddy the waters further while inviting the community to participate. I now see from the boldface text in this email that I did indeed understand your words correctly. Then he says there's a huge difference between a group or a coalition deciding to voluntarily absent themselves from a shared space. Mm-hmm in order to highlight their vital and underappreciated roles, okay? But then, and a group or coalition encouraging another group to go away, that's completely different. The first is a forceful call to consciousness, which is, of course, crippling to the logic of oppression. The second is a show of force and an act of oppression in of itself. So so this is where he gets in trouble, you know, with the students and uh, and now even the faculty, that they have not stood with this guy, which is really strange. So apparently the faculty is much more radical than I had uh, anticipated because not all the uh, faculty was radical when I was there. There were some that were, but not everybody. It's probably more so now. So a very, very hey, unique feel, situation. Do you feel yeah, like that? Go ahead. You know, do you feel like that is becoming more prominent? And I mean, I, and even when I went, I mean, I, I didn't graduate that long ago because I went back uh, later in life to, to get my degree, but. And, and especially since some of the minors that I chose, uh, I was environmental. I was a political science major uh, with a peace studies and environmental studies minor. And uh, in four classes, I would have had uh, theology and philosophy uh, minors as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, with studying those, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of liberal professors. But it, it just seems like that, you know, it's becoming more prominent. And now that Trump has been elected, uh, even be- becoming more outlandish. Uh, and there, I mean, you've got teachers who are you know, put pinatas out, you know, of Donald Trump for students to, hit, you know, uh, to hit them, and you've got them, you know, shooting them with squirt guns, and you know, just all kinds of uh, just all kinds of things uh, going yeah. on. I mean, it's yeah. all around our country. Yeah, no, you can see it, and especially on campus. So, uh, you know, when I went to Evergreen back in the '80s, it was kind of a, a school that was kind of laughed at. Uh, don't ask me why I went there. I mean, <laughs> I wrote this article for the American Thinker, and. And I gave him sort of an inside picture of what you know what I went through there and, and how I survived it. And of course, all these people were complaining, of, well, "What are you even doing there?" But anyway, you know, I was young. It was close by. You know, it was free, basically almost free back then. I paid fifteen hundred bucks a year, included the books. And um, you know, it was close by, and I could live at home and, and go get my college education degree. Uh, <laughs> and I had no idea that all the stuff that I had learned back then would now become the major discussions in our country today. So, so back then it was sort of, you know, Evergreen sort of was probably ahead of the curve. And, uh, you know, that the, they were leading out to almost like prophesying what was going to take place in the future. And then, you know, the other thing that kind of, when I, I wrote this article for the American Thinker, it said what I saw at Evergreen. And then you look at the comments, and then all these people were just complaining about what a joke this school is and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And how can they be handing out degrees? And, and my thinking is, yeah, but this is what a lot of colleges are handing out degrees like this today. And secondly, all these guys that were complaining about this, they don't realize that Evergreen State College graduates, they're they are running the country. They're they are running the EPA. Yeah. I mean, they're stuffed in the EPA. 
you know, a- after you go through the ecology stuff and then you go to maybe management and public interest, and they have a master's of pub- public administration. So then you get your master's, and then you can go into the government. And basically all these guys that were complaining about these evergreen graduates, what a bunch of wussies they are, they don't realize they're working for them. Okay, you know, it's the evergreen graduates that are telling those guys how to live. Okay, they're they're the ones that are running the regulations. They're the ones that are, you know, in front of policy. They're the ones driving the car here. And I was just kind of stunned by the lack of, uh, you know, understanding of, of what you know what's going on here. And evergreen is you know probably leading leading the pack, you know, with regard, especially the EPA. So a lot of the things you see going on the EPA over the last 20 years, you know, uh, the, you know, Evergreen has had a big impact on how that how that department's run. There's no question. I've heard rumors, but I'd like to check it out. But that uh, Evergreen is just uh, probably the most overrepresented college in, in the in the country right now at the EPA. Well, so, it, it, even the name Evergreen, I mean, you know, I find it yeah. I find it interesting. Yeah, it's, ever, it's uh, Evergreen. It's always green. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And now, in, in, and as a state, you know, I do consider myself, but but I like a more conservative event. I really hate what uh, you know the liberals and uh, what do, should I dare say that they're becoming fascists? I know that's uh, almost an expertise of yours, uh, and that's part of you know our, our, our discussion. When I when I sent uh, the email to you, is you know usually here you know associate you know fashion with some kind of alt right. Or something of that nature, but but I see it's actually the where the your alt left your you know is more towards is leaning more towards you know fascist uh, actions. Would you agree with that? Especially with what we're seeing well, at, at, yeah, these, at these campuses. The whole left-right discussion is kind of a strange discussion. I mean, um, you know, it doesn't mean anything left-right until you you know what, what does it mean to be conservative? What well, you, you don't understand that until you what are you trying to conserve? See that that's the question. And my, you know, as I understand it and who I am, I'm a Christian, number one. But secondly, I consider myself a classical liberal that goes back to the, you know, the, our founding fathers. So today, those guys are supposedly the right wing. Okay, whatever, you know, how, how did this happen? I have no idea. But initially, we used to be what we call the classical liberals. We wanted freedom for everything, freedom for religion, freedom of economy, you know, freedom of our politics, limited government, all those things. That's what we call classical liberalism. But because of the language, uh, you know, that the left uses, uh, you know, they could just make up a word and, and then uh, capitalism, of course, and then every, and then everybody has to defend capitalism, which you can't defend. It's impossible. You know, it's just a money operation. It's all about, you know, making money, profits, and how, how can you defend this? You can't. And so, you know, what the, our founding fathers, they defended liberty. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so now, now we're, you know... Uh, now we're defending capitalism, then we call it right wing and, and all this kind of stuff. So th- this left-right left right divide is not helpful because it all depends on what you're trying to conserve. When I grew up, they called the, um, uh, you know, watching the Soviet Union, you know, with Brezhnev and those guys, they called them all those guys a bunch of conservatives, you know, because they were trying to hang on to the, you know, the old uh, Soviet things that they did back, you know, when Stalin was there. Yeah. You know, okay, and so I don't understand this, but that, that's how they define things. The other thing that people don't think about is left-right is that uh, in Europe, okay, the left-right is very different than it is here. And, see, in Europe you have the aristocracy. That's the right, you know, uh, the old uh, the old kingdoms and, and the, you know, the, the aristocracy it comes out of feudalism versus the left. They don't have a free country like we do, okay. Really, they never really did. And even during the 1800s they had all these revolutions, but the revolutions went left. They didn't do what we did. 
so they had Marxism and socialism, okay, and so they've never mm-hmm. had the kind of revolution that that America has had. Even the French Revolution, I mean, they, you know, they uh, they went out. They were super anti-Catholic and all that kind of stuff. And our our revolution wasn't like that. See, it was completely secular in France, and uh, we were not interested in that kind of discussion. We wanted freedom of religion. You know, we didn't want to. You know, so you have to understand that too. And so. And really, environmentalism, and, and, I, and by that I mean in a bad sense, comes out of that old aristocracy. See, the old uh, the king basically owns the forest, and you can't hunt on that. If you do, you know, poaching, we're going to get you. Remember Robin Hood and all the, you know, they were out hiding in the woods, but they were, you know, mm-hmm. they were doing things illegally. And you know, Martin Luther, for example, was telling the, the aristocracy, "Look, at we got to cut wood because people are they're freezing to death." And of course, back then they had a little ice age going on. Uh, the fur trade was important, you know, back in those days. <laughs> so, yeah. But but see, anyway, the uh, the whole left the right divide is different in Europe than it is here, and and we have followed Europe's, you know, understanding of that left right, especially as of late, and this is part of the whole problem. So I, I just kind of look at that whole discussion and kind of scratch my head over it. So a lot of it. Well, and, well, and answer the question. I mean, I think the. I, I guess the and, and we're going to bring in uh, you know our, our callers in a little bit and see if they've got any uh, questions for you. I mean, because you were on the inside, you know, at the college. Now, you know, it was some time ago, yeah. uh, but you kind of you know know what the I, I almost said you know what the environment is there, but that would have been overly redundant, right? Uh, but anyway, is that I, I would say that the change between the the left right uh, I don't want to necessarily use the word paradigm. Uh, was maybe back in the 60s where, you know, they, you know, just a lot of things changed. And then the people who were Christians wanted to conserve, uh, you know, the good sure. old days, maybe even the way yeah. things were in the 50s when it come, comes, at least socially. Uh, they yeah. want to maintain, you know, what was going on socially instead of all no, this I mean, you know, I free love, free this, free that. Myself. You know, I mean, but anyway, there's a story there. So. That, that has been ignored the last couple hundred years of history that people don't realize where that stuff is coming from. So if we look at it technically, I, even though I'm a conservative today, I'm really a classical liberal, see. So, and, and somehow we've got to get that message out because we are the real liberals. And and the liberals are actually unliberal. You know, they're they're forcing their, their views on us, and uh, they're, you know, the stuff going to Evergreen is just sort of a more radical a radical uh, head in, you know, in the worst direction. So, Well, in this fascist way, because it seems like if you don't agree, you know, they're supposed to be tolerant. We hear this all the time. You know, you know, they're supposed to be the, the tolerant ones, but yet uh, they're intolerant when it comes – they're intolerant when it comes to intolerance or if anyone yeah. who has different views, and they don't have – you know, they don't want anyone to be able to, you know, voice their views if it's different than theirs, and they're actually using violence. I mean, some – I heard uh, I read one post today on Facebook where someone was actually uh, comparing the the kids who were you know had the baseball bags and batons yeah they had and things of that nature there balls, as, yeah. as brown shirts or coats or whatever. Well, uh, see the brown shirts you know in the National Socialism these guys were the most left they were the most left leaning group of the of the Nazis you know you had you know the National Socialism is a complex movement. And then the more left uh, were what they call the SA, you know, and that was run by Ernst Röhm. And those are the guys that were set aside in, you know, 33 by, um, you know, by basically by Himmler and, and Goering. Of course, Hitler agreed with it too, but 
uh, that was the left-leaning side of the party. And then those guys were taken over, and then the SS and uh, the Gestapo took over. And that's a little bit, you know, that changed the Nazi party because initially they were very left. And, uh, you know, they, they still were left, but you had more of a kind of a mixture of different groups coming in there. And the other thing a lot of people don't realize, too, is the SA was run by um, – Rome was a – he was an extreme homosexual. And uh, the lead, leadership of the SA was very, very pink. And so when the Nazis went in there, uh, at least the SS and Goering went in there, they they cleaned up the, the homosexuals. And, of course, now today, you know, they throw in the homosexuals with the persecution along with the um, – you know, along with the Jews and and other people that were that suffered in the Holocaust, but uh, that that's a whole other story. Basically, what happened is that the Green, which is Goering and Himmler, you know, the SS and Goering, they were very green. The Green took over the pink, you know, the side of the of the swastika, and um, Hitler went along with it. But Rome was his friend. I mean, he had a hard time with it, uh, but yet people were lying about Rome as well. Uh, Himmler and Goering were scared of him. Because he basically ran a million people, you know, were, were behind him, and he was left leaning. And of course, Germany did not were scared of these guys too. They were they were the real thugs of the Nazi Party. And then Hitler wins, you know, wins the election, sort of a backhand deals. He was able to win the election, and so now oh, yeah. the SA be, becomes unnecessary. See, the, the, so basically, Rome became a liability, and it wasn't because of ideology. It was because he became a liability. Hitler already won. And so he took over the chancellorship, and then you know got rid of Hinden. You know, mm-hmm. you know, and he, of course, he died. But anyway, a lot of things happened there. And uh, so after that, the left never recovered from that, and they, and they've just they call it the night of the long knives, of course. And and you hear all these horror stories about mm-hmm. how evil the night of the long knives was. Yeah, but these guys, you know, the SA, they were the real thugs. I mean, of the Nazi Party, they, they were almost the worst guys. Okay. And yet everybody talks about the brutality of the Night of the Long Knives. It's a strange discussion to me um, that, I, that I've seen in all my reading. And uh, it's just a really, um, uh, you know, there's just a lot there, a whole, a whole history there that uh, a lot of people don't realize. And what do you think about all the, you know, all these, these kids on campuses and people around campuses now who are, I mean, they're, you know, breaking windows or burning cars or beating people up. They're, uh you talk about the violence. I mean, uh, now they're not organized per se, or maybe they do have. You know, there are some people that contend they do have a, you know, some organization behind them, or at least money. Uh, I mean, not that I'm saying I'm seeing the United States going towards fascism, but it certainly sounds like that there is a, a, a growing group uh, that you know are, are kind of leaning more towards that way. And it's, I think it's actually yeah, no, folks, I understand, that's something yeah. you think it would be a concern. I, I, I see. You, you can see where it could possibly lead, but at this point it's not there because if you think about Germany, you have these guys coming out of World War One, okay, and so, you know, they're very military-oriented. And, uh, you know, all the paramilitaries that were there in Germany at the time, and, of course, then National Socialism especially has their own paramilitary, but you had quite a few of them. And the street fighting was pretty serious, you know, in the 20s, you know, uh, communist, National Socialist, and the government and you know the police and you had, you had lots of serious clashes. Uh, we haven't we haven't seen that really. I mean you, you I mean sort of kind of but not not to the level to the extent that you saw in Germany in the 1920s. Well, I believe it's common because the yeah, other I side I, I understand. Up the, yeah. the other group is 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 getting together now too. So yeah, I believe it's common. 
It might even be. start. It might even start in Texas this weekend, Saturday. Well, uh, <laughs> Texas mm-hmm. uh, has its own uh, unique environment, and it's a, it's for the most part pretty good. And uh, uh, more than likely, the you know, I mean, Austin, however, is actually very left, but most of Texas is still pretty fairly conservative. It's, it's hard to protest against uh, folks there because it's um, you know pretty conservative state. Well, they're supposed to be going in there to take their statues or something down. Yeah, I've I heard a little bit about it, but I haven't looked into that whole discussion. But um, I, I'm pretty sure Texas will take care of that. Oh yeah, yeah I think so. Makes you want to be in Texas, doesn't it? You know, you, you think about you know in Washington State where I live, you have that you have a, a statue of Lenin up there in Seattle, and then they're telling all the. Yeah. People, people in the South to take down all the Confederate flags, you know, and stuff. And, and yeah, I see thinking, it, yeah, well, I've seen a post on yeah, that on Facebook or an article. Yeah. What are they really trying to prove with, with that? Uh, well, yeah. they're, yeah. They're, they're socialists left. They love it. Yeah, can I add to yeah. that, uh, Dr. Tolbert, can I add to that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Dr. Tolbert, and then we're going to bring Naj in, and then uh, we'll, we'll bring it back around. Go ahead, Dr. Tolbert. Real quick, uh, the 13 states that withdrew from the uh, United States and became the Confederate uh, states withdrew based on the fact that the federal government denied their right under the 10th Amendment. The banks in England funded the president of the United States to go to war against 13 states that were the Confederate states, which had the statues that everybody is complaining about. And the reason of the complaints being underlined is because the states are again complaining against the federal government. So what happened in the Civil War, we ended up changing the title from a disagreement with the federal government under Amendment 10 to the freedom of the slaves in order to misdirect and mislead the uh, issue, the, the, the federalism of the northern states actually had the same issue with slavery as did the southern states. Upon the completion of the Civil War, the United States went to the Bank of England and sold the United States of America to the banks of England, which are still owned by the banks of England. So the argument the press is not telling the people that they're taking down the statues to make a racial issue when, in fact, it was the 13 southern states that was honoring the 10th Amendment of the Constitution. So that's all I wanted to say, Brad. And let's go ahead and uh, two comments. We're gonna, one comment we'll bring uh, Naj in here is uh, we've got uh, Bianchi, you know, and we can uh, address this as well if anyone wants to. Uh, and they're talking about demographics. It's need to take down, and I, I don't know if I particularly uh, agree with uh, one of these. Of course, that would be MLK. Uh, but I need to take down MLK and Malcolm X statues where the demographics have changed, rename schools and streets back uh, as they originally were. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe Malcolm X perhaps, but uh, MLK, and I, I don't know if I per, uh, particularly agree with that one. I don't think you should be taking any statues down, frankly. I think, you know what, they're there, they were there, you know, and they were put there for a reason, and to take those down, you know, uh, history is history. And, and you can't do anything about history except learn from it, you know, teach it and learn from it. You know, a statue, I, I, don't, I just don't see why we need to be tearing down statues or anything of that nature. Yeah, what they, they used to symbolize and they may even symbolize 
uh, for some now, but it's history and it's, it's part of history. And I just think that, you know, by destroying your, you know, by destroying your past, you, you're actually destroying a, a part of who you are. But let's go ahead and bring in, uh, Nas. Thank you very much, uh, Nas, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, man. How y'all doing? Good, good. Good to hear you on. Go ahead. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get to the Confederacy thing in a minute, but uh, the first thing would be uh, what the gentleman was talking about with that school. I think it was Evergreen. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the problem with uh, political stunts. Uh, when you do political stunts, people outside of those stunts don't understand the context or understand why you're really uh, putting whatever it is into practice so it looks crazy from the outside. So at, at the end of the day, if they actually did do that action, what really changes? Nothing. It's just symbolism <laughs> to make people feel good and say that they're such good people that they did this whole uh, whiteout movement or whatever the hell it's supposed to be called. So I, I just I just look at that as kind of look at me politics because it actually doesn't change anything. And really, when you think about it, they're, they're operating from the idea of, okay, whiteness is a made-up, invented thing. They're not actually against white people. They're talking about the concept of whiteness. So that's real abstract, and if anybody hears about it from the outside, it just sounds like you're being racist against white people. So no matter what, it's a failing politically. It's not teaching anybody anything. All it's doing is pushing people more towards in their corner as, a, uh, as opposing you. So I, I think the evergreen thing, I, I don't know, man. At, at a certain point, you get kind of tired when you hear people doing things like this that don't actually, uh, you know, that it's not actually productive. So at the end of the day, now they take the PR loss. Uh, this professor is going to stand on the soapbox and kind of ride this wave of populism of being, I'm against these people being against white folks. And he's going to look like he's some kind of paragon of virtue because he's against this little <laughs> silly action that they were trying to do. So I, I think all of it is a, you know, a, a shit storm inevitably. Uh, but getting back to the, the other topic. Uh, yeah. We got to talk about revisionist history. Uh, the Confederacy was never about the 10th amendment. The Confederacy was about slavery. You can go to the documents, uh, the, the, the articles of succession from each state, and they openly state this is about slavery, not only about keeping slavery where they were, but expanding slavery to the new territories that were coming about. Uh, you can look up Jefferson Davis's uh, cornerstone speech where he comes out and actively says, this is why we are fighting to keep this. And remember, during that period, slavery was how that was their economic engine. That is how they made their money. They produced the raw materials. The North had the factories where they would uh, make the finished products and then sell them to Europe. That was how the, the whole thing was set up. England at the time was, was uh, you know, against slavery because they weren't making as much money as they used to. So all of a sudden England got moral. And then England was using that as a way to shoot American ships, uh, you know, out of the water and cause a whole lot of ruckus between the Americans and uh, the rest of Europe. So they had a huge issue going on. And remember, the English and the French actually donated to the Confederacy because they wanted uh, a fight between the Union and the South. They wanted division in America. So they did not actively support the Union. They, act- they actively donated to the Confederacy. Uh, South Africa did as well. They got some support in Brazil as well. So th- this was a worldwide thing and a fight. But you can, like I said, you can pull up those documents and read it for yourself. Like, this is a made-up thing. As far as those monuments... Most of those monuments were made during the 60s 
uh, during the civil rights movement uh, as a reaction to the civil rights movement, uh, the Daughters of the Confederacy. Uh, that was the huge nonprofit group who paid for most of those monuments. But that's why those monuments were made. And that's why when that flag started to appear, that flag was not really present during the Civil War. That wasn't the flag that they marched behind. That flag is kind of a modern type of thing. So the, this whole revisionist history where people are telling that this was about states' rights and things like that, actually read the documents, read what they said, and you'll see that, no, 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 not at all. This was clearly about slavery. And Mark, do you want to? Uh, oh no, I, I, I'm sorry, I brought up the whole. <laughs> I, I didn't mean. No, you don't need to be sorry. I, I was no, thinking that, about that, the hey, statue up in the statue of on the show, up in there's Seattle. No reason to be sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because no, anyway, I was responding I, to Dr. Tober. I was responding to Dr. Tober. That statue of Lenin. Hey, I, I, I can't explain the statue of Lenin. Y'all have to explain that one to me. I don't. <laughs> that's surprising. <laughs> No, I, I've always, I mean, you know, the whole Southern thing with the, the slaves. I mean, if, if you're going to pick, you know, your your freedom of expression, you know, the Tenth Amendment, whatever it is, and you use slavery to do it, you're it's a losing cause. But even the, the original founders, uh, they realized that look, at, we're given freedom here to everybody. It says right here on the Independence, and we got people in the South here that have slaves. They do as a contradiction. And even guys that signed the Declaration of Independence said, you know, this is going to head to civil war. They they actually said that. They knew that there's a problem. But at the time, they had to compromise with the South because they had to fight England, which is the biggest, you know, the biggest country in the world. They had the worst military, the most difficult military around. And um, and then, then you got the North and South. You got the industrial center up there. And then, of course, in the South, you have agriculture. And agriculture is always a, a backward operation. You know, it's um, uh, you know, it, <laughs> the Middle East, Middle of Europe. You had all the basically the peasantry. They were basic slaves. You know, then you had the indentured servants. Um, you know, I, I live on a farm, and you know, the, the farm life is people look at it romantic picture, but you know, it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of trouble. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, issues there, of course, and you know. Today, of course, after after the slavery issue with the South, when their agriculture stuff going on, then then, then we Mexicanize, Mexicanize it out west with, with Mexicos, Mexicans, I should say. And so then you got that problem. Then then of course we you take the land away from the Indians in order to turn that into a big farm, which is a great thing. But <laughs> okay, so now all these things that happened are, are now coming back to bite us in different ways, and. Um, you know, it, it all goes back to, to land, and it goes back to farming. It goes back to things that are not good. That uh, you know, we live in a very—I put it in a very fallen world—and you can see it uh, all over the place. And coming out of Europe, and pe- why people left? They left because it was miserable there, because the peasantry. They came over here. Uh, you know, just just all kinds of um, all kinds of grief there. And, and let's go. We've got uh, our roundtable discussion. Keep it going. As we'll go back over to you, Dr. Tolbert, and then we're going to bring in uh, Jim, and then uh, Susan will get uh, you to chime in as well if you like. And then uh, we'll go uh, over to you, Colleen. So here's how we'll do it, uh, and then back to you, Naj. And then also, if you are out there listening to the show, uh, give us a call at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. Because if you don't do that in the next 24 minutes, then unfortunately you will not be able to call in and join us in our 
what we call extended period or sometimes lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark. And so you will not be able to do that. Also, if you are currently on the line, uh, make sure the phones are charged or you don't drop the call because, unfortunately, if you are to drop the call, you will not be able to uh, call back in and rejoin us uh, for the conversation. Uh, but we do have uh, plenty of time left, and so what we'll do is, uh, again, we're going to bring it back to you, Dr. Colbert, and then Jim, and then we'll bring it over uh, to you, Susan, and then Naj, and then I do have uh, other callers on the line, so if you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial, and we'll get you over to the show. So let's go ahead, or get you into the show. So let's go ahead and bring it uh, back over to you, Dr. Colbert. I still see you on the line. Do we lose you, Dr. Tolbert? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I I don't want to agree or disagree with what was just said because my research says something totally different. But what I want to do is bring up where Memorial Day was founded, which kind of gives a different viewpoint of everything. In 1865, a group of former slaves in Charleston, South Carolina, gave a proper burial to 257 Union soldiers who had been put in a mass grave. What we're finding that history does not give proper credit to the American black people that should have been given credit for their inventions, for the formation of Memorial Day, for the things that were invented. I have several articles that I have written showing how Without the black Americans, we would not have America as we know it today. And that I am a firm supporter that the Europeans and the black Americans, which have built America versus the Hispanic and other nationalities, have came to use America for the purpose differing from what production and was invented. So when we get into the subject of the United States of America after the Civil War was sold to the Bank of England and funded by the Bank of England, or the Confederate flag was actually a flag designed after a flag in England, this is all historical data that will either support or not support any comment of why the 13 states originally withdrew or did not withdraw because of the violation of the 10th Amendment, or if, in fact, it was not or was accumulated. The point behind it was the money that was coming in, and if, in fact, the funding was all for the southern states, then why did we end up selling the United States to Bank America? And that's kind of where I want to leave that. And, and tell you what, there's so many different topics being brought up that we could we could probably do entire shows on, and perhaps we you know confer with me, uh, gentlemen, ladies, uh, off air to send me some emails or some messages, and hopefully we could get some of these things uh, scheduled. I really wish I had uh, the, the time to do some multiple shows, and who knows, maybe if all this starts coming in, we'll be able to to get a Friday night one in at some point uh, as well. But let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to Jim, and I do have. Uh, other callers who'd like to chime in, but let's go ahead, and we will get you to the show. As long as you're on the line, uh, we'll be able to get you in, even when we go to Bard's Logic After Dark. 
Uh, so let's go ahead and bring it back over to you, Jim. If you got any uh, uh, questions uh, to Mark about, you know, our topic we we brought him in on, or you know, whatever. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Jim. Thank you. Well, I I thought he explained his portion to the point. I don't have any major questions on. I think he covered it pretty well. I I would say based on what has been brought up in the last few minutes that uh, or last ten minutes or so <clears throat> that uh, one the state the states <laughs> invoked the Tenth Amendment, but what the gentleman I didn't I I forgot the gentleman's name who was saying that the Civil War was about slavery. What what was the name of the gentleman that said that? Nas. Nas. Okay. If uh, I just had somebody recently, because I was in a group discussing this, and they brought up all the state secession documents, which the states did have the right to secede. That was they had to put that in the Constitution because a lot of the states thought the federal government would become too powerful. But when you look at the documents, they're heavily invoking slavery. There's no question about it. That while they're invoking the Tenth Amendment as a general principle. Which was there that they're they're making their stand on slavery. Now, with that said, I have to say that that you know slavery has been with us as long as history, and every group has enslaved their own people, other people. Um, in Africa, there's still slavery in a country called Mor. I think it's called Moratoria. Could have the name of Mar- Mauritania. 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 Yep, that is and correct. They still sell slaves, I think, for $200, which is probably much more uh, value, you know, would be much more in those countries. So, wow, I think if you look at – so I want to agree strongly with what Robert said. I don't agree with pulling down of statues and street signs and monuments uh, that represent a part of history. Uh, And you maybe just have to say things. So, for instance, just as in you say, you know, Washington freed his slaves when he died. Jefferson owned slaves. These are the guys that wrote the framework to get rid of slavery. But I don't really know why they didn't free their slaves when they were alive, even though life may have kind of gone on the same for the slaves and for them, but now the freed blacks and for them. Um, <clears throat> but it's like today, I wonder if our generation is going to be faulted for let, when we're living in the lap of luxury in the first, you know, the, the United States and Australia and Britain and Canada and Europe and some of the other countries, are we going to be faulted for letting so much starvation happen in the 20th century? And and if we were, you know, risen from the dead 200 years from now, we say, well, yeah, well, we donated money to some people that were helping the poor in Africa and that. And But what could we do? We were living our lives in the United States. And I think that's what Jefferson and Washington say. Look. We, we're trying to get re- ultimately rid of the institution, but it was impr- we couldn't do it all in one fell swoop. And, well, we kept our slaves because they were running. That's how our plantations ran all those years. Not really very defensible, but I wonder if our generation is going to be, our, our century is going to be hit for the same, the same way. And how could they have stood by and not airlifted food and that into the places that were hurting instead of airlifting bombs so much of the time? Uh, in, in wars that I believe have been in the 20th century have been often contrived and unnecessary. Uh, so I, 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 anyway, Robert, I want to strongly agree with that and just say that uh, maybe add that clarification or not clarification, just an addendum to, to the to the slavery thing. And uh, so I'll 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 stop there so you can bring others in. Okay. 
Okay, and then as I said, we're going to go ahead and bring in uh, for you, you, Susan, and then we've got Colleen, and then Naj, and then we will bring in uh, Bianchi, or Pianchi, uh, who is on the line, so we'll, we'll get you in uh, to the show. There's plenty of time. It's uh, only quarter till uh, the hour, but we'll uh, have time after that, so let's go ahead and bring it back oh, over uh, Robert, to you, Susan. Robert? Yeah, get, Ro- get Robert, Jim. Could I just make one quick addendum, because I forgot an aspect of this. There was a lot of political pressure that caused things to go weird as slavery was ending. So Lincoln freed the slaves by his Emancipation Proclamation in the South, but he didn't free the slaves right then in Massachusetts. Slavery went on in Massachusetts. And the guy who was the subject of, of, of Roots, the guy that was the hero of Roots, the miniseries back, I think, in the 70s or 80s. I think it was the 70s. So. Um, I like Haley. When when he was freed, no, he was the author. I'm talking about Kunta Kunte with the African name, I think, of the hero. Oh. Uh, he became when he was freed, he became a slave owner and went and dealt slaves in Massachusetts. So there was it was kind of an awakening time. It wasn't quite as cut and dried, and there was politics involved that uh, that that caused slavery to go away slower. Um, and finally, Robert, as you know, I brought up on other shows, none of us chose what race we are, okay? So let's nobody be too proud, not, not that anybody on this call is being improper that way, but not, let's not be too proud of what race we were born into because none of us chose that. And I believe with the monetary system being handled properly, the money being issued properly by the international bankers instead of for their own benefit, which is happening now, all the countries of the world, all the races of the world can now be raised because of technology, computers, robots coming down the road. And you might remember that Martin Luther King, before he was shot, was saying now the next frontier is economic justice. And if the money is issued properly, it doesn't have to be America, U.S. goes up, Mexico goes down, uh, this one goes up, China goes down, or vice versa. All the people of the world, all the races, all the countries can finally rise together because of the wonderful technology and inventions and a lot of inventions even held back if money is issued properly. Okay, thank you, Robert. Well, thank you very much, and let's go ahead and bring in our you, Susan. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. you know how huge right. I am about technology. Go ahead, Susan. Uh, um, all right. This, I would like some of those links that Nosh cited for the South just to read them, you know, and study it. Um, if he can give them to you and you can send it to me. Um, I, as far as the South, you know, I really feel they did it all wrong because, you know, but it's the flag thing. I don't think he should force anybody. I wrote a blog on the flags and I said, how would you feel if people came into the state of Idaho and they just tear down the Boise Bronco flag on the school or the Washington State flag in our state? I mean, it is people's right to display a flag, especially if it's on their own private property. Um, as far as inside a public building, maybe not so appropriate, but if there's a little museum, say, on flags and things or history of a state, I see nothing wrong with that because it is history, and that's just plain and simple what it is. And as far as George Washington and them having slaves, 
they did, but who sold those slaves many times? The Muslims would bring them over here and sell them. The black people captured their own and sold them to the Muslims in different ships of people who were picking up cargo of humans. And so there's plenty of blame to pass around. That's it. Well, I think it's a, well. I think the whole blame game is well over over not overdue, but it's it's over. I mean, it's the past. You can't do anything about the except learn. You know, learn from it. That the, the pointing the fingers, the hey, we it's, it's offensive because what this flag represents. You know, well, what that's what it represented, and it, I think Nas pointed this out too. Uh, this is what was represented back then, and it may even for some represent the same thing now. But that's just part of the history. I mean, you know, there's a saying I, you know, I have that I do all the time. And the only thing you truly, each individual, the only thing you truly have, in my opinion, the only thing you truly have control over is what you think. Really don't have anything else in your life you have any kind of control over 100% except what you think. You could choose whether you want to be offended or not. That's your choice. You know, you can choose on, on, on what, what you think about a certain flag or a certain symbol. You know, you don't have to be offended by it. You choose to be offended, and you choose to react to it. You know, that symbol, and, and, and allowing something to offend you, you're giving it power over you, in my opinion. So that's my point. If you allow somebody to, you know, be a, to, the, the power to offend you, well, then whose fault, in my opinion, whose fault really is that? It's yours. You don't have to let that offend you. That, that's, you know, you could control, so, okay, well, you know, that's what you think, and that's fine. And you have, at least in this country, you have the right to think and maybe even say that. But, you know, my responsibility is, well, how do I want to react to it? I could say, okay, well, okay, that's fine. Or I could be like, well, I'm offended. I'm going to, you know, react. Well, like what's going on, what happened at these schools. Okay. So let's go ahead. And we do have Mark on as well. So I want to be able to bring him back in uh, to, you know, as our guest here. Uh, So let's go ahead. And uh, Colleen, if you've got any comments there. And then we want to bring it back uh, to Mark, and then we've got uh, Bianchi on, and we will get him on the show. So go ahead, uh, Colleen, and then back to you, Mark. Okay. Give me or uh, the thing is, oh, yeah, no, 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 you, no I'm book? sorry, Naj. Oh. We'll, we'll just, I, I apologize. Yeah, we'll go to uh, yeah, Colleen, Naj, and then Mark, and then we'll bring in Bianchi. Go ahead. Um, if the New World Order gets their way, we're all going to be slaves. All the rest is just going to be irrelevant. I haven't thought about color in years. Now, not so much. They're just stirring everything all back up, and it's not good. It's not good for any of us. We're going to have to unite, and we're going to have to fight this. That's that's basically where I'm coming from. And uh, Naj, go ahead, and then uh, Mark, uh, and then we'll, we'll bring in Bianchi. Okay. Uh, for one, I didn't in- introduce this topic. Uh, the second thing would be uh, I've made no mention. I've made no mention of uh, looking at other people differently for historical crimes or trying to get uh, grievances for historical crimes. That grievance would be with government, not with the population. So I, I think some people are inferring some things that I never said. So please, uh, you know, judge me by the words that I say, and you know, kind of move from there. Uh, no, basically, it wasn't first, you. It's just what is going on today. And well, as a whole. I, I think, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I think yeah, any no. people who have any grievances uh, should be uh, able to express that. 
nothing wrong with that at all to me. Uh, so when I see different coalitions out here saying, hey, I'm an advocate for this and I'm pushing for this, hey, that's a, as American as we can get. Now, moving to the uh, Confederacy, just the, the monuments, the idea of monuments, monuments are places of honor, uh, dignity, respect. That's why you have a monument. So are we having monuments to people who initially, uh, essentially declared war on our country? Uh, why would we honor traitors? Uh, so that, that that's the that's the place to where that gets weird. Uh, as far as removing it from history, no, you keep it in the history books, uh, you keep it in the museums, and like it's supposed to be. You don't you don't erase history, but you also don't give places of honor to scoundrels. Is is how I would say it. So I I think it's interesting that we're in this place to where people are trying to, you know, justify things and squeeze it in. And look, yes, slavery is always been an institution across the globe. Every people has it on their record if you go far enough in their genealogy. Uh, the question is, why was it still present after we had a Magna Carta, after we had a Bill of Rights, after we had a Constitution, you know, all of these different documents and a changing of the mind uh, that this stuff shouldn't have been there. I think we all can agree on that. And just like somebody uh, referred to earlier, we'll be judged by the humanitarian crisis that goes on right now. Uh, all of us living will be judged by that later on. And I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's unfair. I, I, I think that's a reality that every uh, human civilization has to live with. And you either correct the things uh, during your present time or you don't, but, you know, that's a failing on your particular civilization. Hopefully we can uh, fix up some of that stuff. More than likely we're going to fail at it because what? We're human. Just like you talked <laughs> about Washington and Jefferson and these people having slaves. Well, you're talking about the highest grossing industry of the time. Uh, really, really, really easy for somebody to say you should defund, sell all your slaves, get out of that because it's immoral. Really easy for somebody to say now, but somebody who made their living off of that labor uh, during that time, uh, that's really, really difficult. Replace it with what? So, of course, the South had a serious, serious problem. Uh, there were more millionaires per capita in Mississippi than anywhere in the world at a point during the 1860s. Think about that. We will never say that again about Mississippi. So that that's how how uh, uh, how much money <laughs> you can that. make uh, during this. And remember, the poor whites and the poor and and the slaves, for the most part, had some solidarity together, created rebellions, and the the landed uh, you know uh, wealthy people had to drive a wedge between the poor whites and the slaves because they they were working together. So they started giving uh, corn doles. Uh, rifles and a little plot of land to the poor whites to separate them so that way that they could abuse them both uh, in different ways. So, you know, the class thing that you guys talked about, yes, that is still active. Yes, we have to look at globalists and neoliberals as the problem, uh, or, you know, in the world space, these people who create wars, uh, who devastate people economically uh, through trade wars. Like, these are the issues of today that we need to correct. But no matter what, man, we got to be careful when we start silencing people with grievances. I didn't agree with the Tea Party because I'm not a conservative, but they had a right to be out there and they had a right to air their grievances. And you start looking through their platform, a lot of their grievances were legit. How did the Republican Party lose, uh, lose the base so much to where they, they elect an outsider? Because they didn't address those grievances. People who haven't, haven't had a wage increase for 20 years. People who they promised jobs for decades and never delivered. That's how you get an outsider like Trump to win. So, you know, th these things are big, and, you know, to scale them down is hard because you guys covered a lot, so I can't really try to touch on everything in this little bit of space because I know Mark is the guest and we need to hear from him. But uh, as we go on tonight, man, I'll try to remember some of the stuff you guys brought up. But 
Man, y'all brought up a lot, dude. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We could do uh, a whole shows on just uh, one of the senses, I think, as, as you pointed out, Jim. Uh, <laughs> we could do a lot. I tell you, I mean, there's times where we, I wish we could have do do four-hour shows, but time doesn't allow that. But, I mean, there's definitely times where we probably could go four or five hours of the topic. But let's go ahead. And th- thank you, Naj. And, of course, everyone's lines to one. Now, remember, there's only four, four more minutes in the show. Uh, not the show, but at least uh, until we go to the extended period of where – if you get knocked off, you won't be ever to, uh, able to call back in. So let's keep those phones charged because I want to have everybody uh, still on the line after these four minutes pass. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you, Mark, because the next – and then uh, Dr. Tolbert just uh, sent me a text on uh, Alabama. Uh, I think he said Senator uh, wants to do uh, – what's about immigration. Dr. Tolbert, when we get to our next segment, we'll bring that up. As well as an interesting audio clip I, I've been talking about playing. But let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Mark. Go ahead. Well, you know, all the things that everybody's talking about is Evergreen. They, you know, they they really talk about this stuff all the time, and so that's really the heart of the heart of the discussions. And of course, they're going to be very left wing and how they characterize everything there. You know, maybe if I give a little history of the classes I took there, it might help you understand the college a little bit, which a lot of people don't appreciate. That, you know, number one, you don't take separate classes at Evergreen. You, you take one class, of course, and then they integrate all the credits into one class. So, for example, my first, my freshman year, 1985, I took a course called Political Ecology. And what they did, they integrated all of the, uh, you may have some e- ecological credits, you'll have some creative writing credits, you'll have uh, Native American history, for example, you'll have uh, geography, and you'll have all those things are put into one class. And so I took that for two semesters, and basically what they were doing for the most part is we read all kinds of books criticizing capitalism and Christianity for creating the you know, ecological catastrophe we have right now. They focused on the Dust Bowl a lot, very interesting as well. So we got some you know, credits in that. And then in the spring, I took a course called Thinking Straight, which actually was a pretty good course. Uh, all we did was read Plato. And so we read most of his dialogues, uh, but then we also did things like uh, writing lots of papers. So you get some creative writing you get some English, you know, that type of stuff. But, again, they look at things from a holistic point of view. Everything is, is holistic. That's the point. They're integrating all the credits into one class. That's holism. They're teaching holism. The next year I took a course called Classical World, which was actually a very good class all year long. And all we did was study the early Greeks all the way up to early Christianity. And um, it was a tremendous class. I, I learned a ton uh, in that class. We, we did a lot of reading and writing, of course, as well. My third year, I took political economy, and this is here's where you have the leftist stuff that was really uh, popular and very strong there, taught by real dyed-in-the-wool Marxists as well. I mean, these guys really believe what they were teaching. So it was called political economy, and um, basically it was Marxism, socialism, you know, postmodernism, whatever you want to call it, uh, heavily being taught there. And then uh, in my spring, I, I took race, class, and gender. So um, So all the things that are now really being bantied around our country right now in that from that context uh I took those I took all that discussion back in uh you know my junior year then my senior year I took a course called management in the public interest for two um you know for two semesters that's how you become a bureaucrat okay so uh but then I quit doing that because then I decided I was in and I took a course called liberation theology and uh, so that was my crowning achievement there at the Evergreen State College, which is sort of a mixture of socialism, Marxism, very popular in Latin America. 
But again, the whole point of Evergreen is to holistically integrate all these credits into one class. And really, it's anti-traditional. Okay, it's anti. They, you know, they don't like the separation of classes. Uh, they want to keep everything within a holistic circle. And they think modern education has been ruined because people are separated from nature. They're separated from each other. They're alienated from, you know, their job or whatever. You know, whatever it is that is going on, they're trying to bring about some kind of, um, you know, some kind of a synthesis of some sort to bring everything together where everybody is separate from each other, this kind of stuff. So that's sort of the heart of their education. And, uh, you know, they're against, of course, capitalism especially and the the colonialism, the anti-imperialism as they see it, the white imperialism. And so all the discussions that we're having even over the last hour, I mean, it's – that that's all they talk about, you know, and just from, you know, from a more leftist point of view. So that sort of helps you understand maybe a little bit about the college. And, and my personal, my personal, uh, you know, as I look at that stuff, you know, we talk about putting things in a box. You know, uh, it's not really a whole lot better to put it into a, a circle either, and uh, that has its own problems. And so, uh, you put things into a circle, and you can't get out of the circle. We call it a vicious circle, and that has its own problems. And uh, so they don't, of course, look at things that way. But you know, I do. And you you got to be able to get outside the circle, see, and that's that's part of the problem with with some of that education. But now the the radical stuff is getting um, is getting more uh, you know more fascist, I would call it. And really, holism. A lot of people don't realize fascism means holism. But that that's what it means. Uh, the original um, the, the original guy that uh, really started what we call German social Darwinism. His name was Ernst Haeckel. And he invented the, you know, he coined the term ecology back in 1866. But he, his, his, his uh, group is called monism. You know, monism means one. And so the idea was to integrate everything into a monistic one. And uh, he, you know, he, his whole um, emphasis was to put man and nature and politics and biology uh, all into one. See, and this really becomes sort of the foundation stones that led to national socialism where they wanted to incorporate and integrate all those things into one holistic one as, you know, of course it's inside their own nation. Uh, Now people are trying to do it internationally too. Uh, You know, it's even a bigger, much bigger operation, but still that was like a little microcosm of, of what, uh, of what Germany, you know, see Germany was involved with all that kind of synthesis. They wanted to unify everything This was a big deal with their philosophy going back to the 1800s. Uh, then it got caught up with science, and a lot of these things we even see today that we're struggling with really uh, come out of that that German background, and they're they're still with us today. Uh, you know, some is more fascist than others, depending on what's going on, and some more liberal, you know, left right, all that kind of stuff. But during the 1930s, of course, you know, people went they call it right, and things really got out of control. And uh, you know, maybe as an interesting uh, you know, illustration here. One of the courses I didn't take, that I wished I had take, it was called the Human Condition, and uh, this is a very, uh, very left, left-leaning course. In fact, it's what we call an existentialist course, where the, you know, where existentialism is very popular at Evergreen, where you emphasize existence over thought, uh, the things that go on in life, uh, you know, your activities, okay, your, your maybe your will, your emotions, those things are either more important or as important as your thought. Okay, this is what we call existentialism. We live in the real world, and 
we have all kinds of dreams, but and all kinds of thoughts, but it's inconsistent with what we, you know, what we exist, you know, the things that are around us. And so, and and this this book or this is really based on a book, The Human Condition, written by Hannah Arendt, who was a German uh, Jew, Jewess, and and uh, she was uh, living in Germany in the in the 1920s, and she learned her academia from from the Germans, especially from Martin Heidegger. That was her favorite professor. And Heidegger really is what we call the father of postmodernism, and postmodernism is kind of a uh, sort of a more progressive view. I want to call it that. I don't even, I don't even progressive isn't the word, but some it's 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 really a more developed form of existentialism. And so she, uh, after the war, she wrote this book called The Human Condition, very existentialist. She learned much from Heidegger. And then this course now is being taught uh, very strongly at Evergreen. It was, was the one, you know, it's a mainstay. It's been there for years. It still is. And yet Hannah Arendt uh, had an affair with Martin Heidegger during the 1920s. She loved her professor, and they had an affair. Well, come 1933, okay, um, Heidegger becomes a Nazi, okay, <laughs> and dumps her, basically dumped her before then. But still, uh, he's very anti-Semitic. And Heidegger was a, you know, very involved with national socialism. A lot of people don't realize that. He, in fact, he was trying to bring into line the universities of Germany. That was part of his job. He wanted to bring uh, Freiburg University, where he was working, in line with national socialism. He failed to do it, but he tried. And uh, he was very racist. You know, he wasn't a, a biological racist. You know, like the scientist and the social Darwinist. He was more of a existentialist racist, where he viewed. Uh, the soil of Germany and, you know, the blood and, uh, you know, the existential reality of that uh, worldview that he looked at nature being more important. Yeah, that was part of your, your, your book, Nazi Eggs, right? Yeah, yeah. So so all that kind of stuff you was see, in his thinking. Read that. And so then she is shocked, you know, by what he's done. Okay. And I look at what's happening with Brett Weinstein right now. Okay, You know, he's at he's at this college. He's shocked by what he's seen. And yet, see, Hannah Arendt never realized that Martin Heidegger was teaching her fascism throughout the entire 20s. And then she's shocked in the 1930s. Can't believe he becomes a Nazi. And then even worse, after the war, okay, she makes up with him. And then she actually rehabilitates this guy. He, he should have been dust. You know, he should have been done. I mean, he, he's a Nazi. And but she rehabilitated him, translated all of his works, uh, you know, did all kind all kinds of stuff to get him back in gear. And postmodernism, basically, that's Heidegger. Okay, Heidegger is the father of that. It's infected the entire Western Academy today, and it's at Evergreen. Okay, and, and very deep. You know, here we got this course called the Human Condition. That's basically Heidegger's philosophy. You know, behind the skirts of of uh, Hannah Arendt. And so that this stuff, you know, those doctrines are still with us very powerfully today. And even though it's not racist, you know, the kind of the old racism or the, you know, the white supremacy type stuff that Hitler had, still the, uh, we have a lot of a lot of problems in our thinking with regard to this. Um, you know, the very fact they're focused on racism, that's, you know, that, that they're focused on this kind of stuff. It's like a when I look at multiculturalism, you think about it, you step back. What what it really is is multi-tribalism. Okay, and so they're celebrating the differences. You know, America used to be at least the ideal, even though we couldn't live up to it, like everything, uh, was the melting pot. So, I mean, you're mm-hmm. the ethnicity no, more like side, all that bowl. stuff was, yeah, it would disappear. So, for example, I, I grew up in, and uh, I live on a farm now. My grandma and grandpa had this farm. 
farmhouse. They passed away, gave me the farmhouse. But when I was young, this house was full of Scandinavian stuff. Okay, it just nothing but Scandinavian, Swedish this, Swedish that, you know, whatever. Okay, that stuff's all gone now. It's gone. Okay, because uh, you know that that was for grandma. You know, and I, I might have a cup or two, but that's about it. And this is what happens, you know, with Americans. Okay, things get Any homogenized. Signs now. <laughs> yeah, they they get homogenized. See, those things disappear. And uh, you know, see, and what National Socialism was trying to do was bring those things. They, they, they were scared of that homogenization of, of capitalism, what they called the globalism, and they and they thought they were going to lose their identity. Okay. And so uh, this is really what what the National Socialists were concerned about, and they got caught up in a lot of different things. And then, of course, they you know added all kinds of other things on top of the social Darwinism, the white man's on top of the you know top of the totem pole. And uh, you know they they looked at history, of course, and and how you can explain this scientifically. Uh, look look how smart you know the scientific revolution has brought to us. Well, this must be because of racism. You know you know all this kind of foolishness was going on, and. Um, Anyway, it's just a, an amazing thing, and now here at Evergreen, we see uh, this type of stuff still being taught, and then we got a guy that gets shocked, you know, by um, by how radical things are becoming at this school. Where yeah, I would say, well, it, yeah, it's just a matter of time. Sure, these things. It's just a matter of time for these things to start uh, boiling over. So it looks like it makes sense to him in practice, but not. I'm not in practice, but in theory, but not in practice. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's our problem, theory and practice. You know, we, the founding fathers, I mean, they, you know, the document looks great, but how to put that into practice is really hard. I mean, it, it's <laughs> okay. And so they themselves were walking contradictions like we all are. And even today, okay, uh, look at the Beatles. Like, love, love, love. That's all you need, right? Uh, that's all you need. And then what they do, they got, they split up. Okay. They got in a big fight and they, you know, they, the, they, they died basically. The, the the group didn't come together yet. All you need is love. All together now. See, and the, well, this right is part now, of you want to. Yeah, it's just. I mean, you know, Hannah Arendt, the human condition. Okay, I mean, there's there's something wrong out there. You know, it's we live in a fallen world. It's everywhere. Evidence everywhere. In spite of the technology, uh, you know, we we can't. There's we have all these inconsistencies. And so now, if you look at the farming, for, we already talked about the medieval problems there, the peasantry, the kingdoms, the aristocracy, the corruption there. Of course, the Catholic Church had its issues there as well. And then people come here. You have the slavery, okay. And then out west, of course, you know, after the after the slavery, you have all the Mexicans coming in to try to you know take care of these farms out west. And then today we have industrialization of, of farming, okay, which you know grows a lot of crops and stuff but people complain about you know it's not good for you you know it's full of chemicals and okay so that there's all these uh these there's always a um you know a thing that helps bring things down at the same time and uh, so anyway you know we we live in a fallen world and the evidence of it is overwhelming if you just take take back and take a look at things and it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but one of the things we do need now is to go ahead and uh, bring in Pianchi. So thank you very much, Pianchi, for your patience. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you tonight, and where are you calling from tonight? Well, tonight I'm calling from St. Louis. St. Louis. But, uh, yes, you welcome. know, yes. But I was going to make a comment on, on these monuments. And Nige erroneously made a mistake when he said that the monuments was the results of the Civil Rights Act. Uh, 
The monument to Lee was put up in the 1800s. And here in St. Louis, we have a Confederate monument that was put up in the early in the early 1900s. And then you also have the monuments to the memorial carvings of Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, and Stonewall Stonewall Jackson there in Stone Mountain Park near Atlanta, Georgia, where Renard's is presently stand. I believe they were first conceived in 1915. So those are monuments which represent the history of the United States. This monument in St. Louis depicts a man, a female, and a little girl. Nothing about soldiers or anything. It's been up over 100 years. And you've had some black live advocates who have defaced the monument with spray paint, saying Black Lives Matter, and also long live Nat Turner. Nat Turner killed people. So I don't understand. It, it really don't make any sense. These monuments were part of history. And, you know, given what it is, the events that occurred in the history of this country and the history of the world has led me to be here in the greatest country on earth today, and I'm sure you guys would consider that as being true, too. We had nothing to do with the history, but we're here today in the aftermath. <laughs> I, as a black person, wouldn't be here today to enjoy this country and everything that it offers. And, uh, I mean, that's factual. So yeah, I really that, just that, wanted that, to make a comment on that. Yeah, it, can well, I respond it, to that if, if allowed? Can I respond? If it wasn't for slavery, if it wasn't for slavery, I wouldn't be here. And you know, even on the African continent in Ghana, they enslaved Europeans. And you know, coming throughout the history, starting from the 1600, black business people who were not slaves, but they utilized slaves in order for their to carry out their business. Slavery was legal here in the United States. To say that Lincoln freed the slave is really kind of, I think, is disservice because the the states had had seceded from the Union. They said, we didn't want to be a part of you anymore. Sort of like today in, in Africa where South Sudan has seceded from Sudan. So the president of the Sudan, Bashir, Surely he can't dictate what goes on in South Sudan. He can't tell the people to come back and you're free. Lincoln just was saying what he said more out of symbolism than anything else, I think. Yeah, because he, the state, he, he, we didn't want to have anything else. He freed the states where he had no control. It's not and your turn, I. the states where he did. <laughs> well, uh, well, you kind of <laughs> tried to refute me on a point that I didn't make. You wanna, where I said uh, most wanna... of those monuments were made uh, in the 60s, and that would be 125 well, of them. Well, I tell you, these liberals, they just, Point liberals just hate to hear the truth. <laughs> yeah, I guess you didn't you hear what I was like every once while cool. on the show, don't you? <laughs> I thought Hillary was hurt. I thought Hillary, oh, that's exactly what it is. Uh, the, plus, these monuments were donated by private dollars. They weren't, most of them were not donated by public dollars. But here in St. Louis, we built a barricade the size of a football field around this uh, Confederate monument in Forest Park. And that was done with public dollars. 
And it's just totally ridiculous. There's more things that you can be spending money on and also be concerned about. No one even knew this was here. And as I said before, you know, uh, when the gentrists of these communities change, when they go from what was black and, you know, when blacks occupied these spaces and they felt the need to rename schools, streets, and also put up monuments to their iconic figures, but when they move out and new people move in, well, what happens when they say, well, we don't want to be in the presence of these figures? After all, Malcolm X did call white people's devils. But you have a public library in Harlem, New York, that's named after him. And also his bus is in there. So suppose in this move to change the name of Harlem, which was founded by the Dutch, but suppose they say we don't want this library to be named after this person. And we want this bus removed. And also the same thing with the schools in Detroit. It's named after him. You have to be careful what you watch. Ask for Thank you very much. Okay. Um, well, can very I, much. Can I respond to him or, or, or are we going to let that linger? Or how it's going to work? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he threw a couple <laughs> of shots at me. I like to, you know. Uh, Robert, real quick, uh, Robert, Raj, because then I, I get that audio I want to play and get us into our next seg. Again, to our, our next topic, because unfortunately we're running out of time. Again, this is, a, again, another one that shows we probably could have gone four or five hours uh, for it. But unfortunately, uh, I, I, don't have that, I don't have that time, unfortunately. But well, we could uh, definitely continue conversations later. But go ahead uh, real quick, uh, Dodge, with okay. uh, your comment, and then I'll have to – I'm going to play that audio. Yeah. All right, thanks uh, Robert, for letting me defend. Yeah, thanks. Well, 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 just let me Nas. defend myself real quick, real quick. No, no, thanks I, for letting me defend myself. but. I wanted you to address this question when you do it, because I didn't hear what you said. While there were monuments built before the 1960s, repeat what you're saying happened. I don't understand exactly what you're saying oh, okay. happened in the 1960s. Just include that in your response, if you would. That's all. Okay. Yeah, what I said basically was that 125 of those monuments were created in the 60s. So that's why I said okay. most. I didn't say all. So that would be the okay. qualifier there, and he tried to kind of mince words with that one. That was a little shaky. Uh, that was during the civil rights movement where people were pushing for different things. And, of course, you're going to get some pushback. So that was the reaction to it. People showed up with that flag all of a sudden, and the Daughters of the Confederacy, they were the ones who funded it. Yes, yeah, so it was funded privately uh, for the most part as far as those monuments. You, you can pull it up on Wiki. Uh, and then the other part where he talked about, well, people who've moved into new areas and Malcolm X is there, and if they don't like Malcolm X, they should petition for redress or they could petition for redress. Yeah, that's their right. That's called being an American. If you think something is unjust and your community looks at him as a figure not to celebrate, those people should have the public space to uh, address it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not advocating for things that I would take away from other people uh, as far as the right to petition, the right to protest. That is an American right, something that we have that other people don't have. So when you live in the, the biggest, strongest country on earth and you have the free time to not only think about things like this and, and put efforts into things like this, uh, that's an ability. The same way the Greeks, when they sat around and thought about democracy and thought about different things with demos, that's because they covered the basics and then they had the free time to discuss things like this. And that's an American thing that we all need to kind of respect. And uh, when you don't use it, you lose it as we've seen throughout history. Was that, uh, you know, I, I, was a, I was a missionary in the former Soviet Union. And, uh, we, you know, Russia, for example, has um, 
you know, during the Soviet times, they had all the, the Soviet names. And, you know, for example, St. Petersburg, they changed that to Leningrad, okay, because, because uh, you know, right. they've advanced. They've gone beyond, you know, Volgograd, they, you know, Stalingrad, okay. And so, they, you know, they changed a lot of names. And then, in fact, if, even today, though, if you look at all, all the names, of, most of the names are named after Soviet names, and so they changed them all. But then uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed, so what happened? They went back to St. Petersburg. You know, they, they went back to uh, Volgograd and, and – um, some of the, you know, all, most of the street names they've kept the same, but still, uh, there's that sense of, you know, is this is this name consistent with what you know people really are? And come to find out, the Soviet was like an external, you know, force that really was not a little bit more alien to the Russian people, and so they went back to Saint Petersburg. They went back to Volgograd. Today in Ukraine, they're letting go of all the all the Soviet names now, and so. Uh, the metro stations, for example, in Kiev, they used to have a bunch of uh, Soviet names. They're all gone now. And uh, so anyway, there's a, that's kind of an interesting discussion there, too. So something to think about. And now I'm going to go ahead. And uh, first, Susan had to go. So uh, she wants to wish everyone uh, good night. And, uh, you know, Cindy, I know you got to go as well. If you want to make uh, – uh, so com- uh, a few comments before you go. You're you're welcome to do so. Open your mic for those. But first, I got that interesting clip that I've been uh, hinting at and teasing about all night, and I think uh, folks here on the line will find it interesting, especially uh, what we're hearing about Trump and immigration. And I know back in 2012, now this isn't it, but 2012, uh, we had uh, Virgil Goode on, uh, who was the presidential candidate for the Constitution Party. We had him on a few times, and he's also been on the show since then. And uh, I feel fortunate him and I have been able to uh, develop friendship over the years as well. And one of the things he uh, – and I liked when he was uh, running was you know, how the economy was uh, back in 2021. One thing he, he was running on was putting a, a moratorium on uh, immigration, not just illegal immigration, but immigration period until the, uh, the unemployment rate got down to 4%, uh, which I frankly think is a good idea, and I think one of the things – uh, that you know, part of that article that you can find on the Bard's Logic Political Talk uh, news uh, news page uh, there on the website. It's website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Go to the newsroom and you can find the article about Ann Coulter and her suggesting uh, just doing a, uh, a temporary ban on all immigration, which eh, maybe that wouldn't be a bad idea. But first, let's go ahead and uh, before we open up the discussion for that, let's hear uh, this. Uh, Audio clip from one of Bill Clinton's State of the Union addresses, and I'll tell you what year this was in after the clip. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating 
for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Was it nineteen? No, not ninety-five, not two thousand five. Thank you for correcting okay. me. I appreciate it. Yeah, nineteen ninety-five. Well, that, I knew there was a five yeah, in there. <laughs> right. That, yeah, that makes okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Darn it. No, I'm just kidding. You can't even talk about that. You know, to even bring that up, it, it just it's so thick today. The propaganda, you, it doesn't even make sense to people today. But yeah, it's amazing. Classic Clintonism. Uh, I would recommend everybody check out Christopher Hitchens' book on him, The Triangulation of of Bill Clinton. Uh, Whatever was politically expedient, he would do or he would say. Uh, When the right new coalition with Gingrich got uh, got steam and started rolling, Clinton started moving to the right a little bit. When the left got a little steam, he started moving to them because he has no real identity or ideology. It's all about what gets him to his goal, which is power and wealth. And there, there, there is no integrity there. So that argument that he made just now is the same argument he used in, well, is the flip side of the argument he used to condemn Trump. So it's, you know, it's laughable, but it's Clintonish. <laughs> well, and, you well, know, and here's the thing, what I don't understand. Uh, first black president. And then, well, and, well, he you know, was looked at as the first black president when he played a saxophone with sunglasses. Yeah, by people who well, didn't have right. a real good political background. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, yeah, but, yeah, but he had a large uh, following. Well, and, and he had. Uh, so did well, the Kardashians. They talked about the narcissism of, of, of President Trump. And then, you know, somebody they, they hold up high is, is Bill Clinton, the Democrats. That, well, they used to. Um, but, you know, and then he's saying the same thing. Uh, so I, I found it ironic when I when I heard that. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. He's saying the exact thing thing Trump is. He's getting all these applause from the Democrats. I mean, and it's not just him. I mean, yeah, I wanted to point out the the hypocrisy of uh, of Bill Clinton, but I mean, those, those were Democrats that were that were you know, that that were clapping for that 17 seconds uh, that I let that that I let the, that play after he uh, you know he stopped talking. That was 17 seconds worth of. You know, not so a lot during a you know a State of the Union uh, for, for the immigration. Now, now, Jim, you were saying something. Go ahead. Uh, I uh, want to say I, something on that, yeah, if I could, I real done, quick. I, I One thing. Well, no, well, I had two people talking at the same time. No, it's breaking up for everybody. Boy, you make fun of Bill Clinton, and something happens to the audio. Oh, it's NSA Bob. 
Yeah. No, what I was going to say that, and, you know, the, the thing about what he said, that you didn't hear anybody talking about how illegals pay taxes, how illegals contribute to this and contribute to that. No, the thing is that I agree with him is that it should put Americans first. Americans should be trained for these jobs that you happen to turn to immigrants that come here on work visas because of a various host of reasons and treaties and deals and backroom brawls. Americans should be trained for those jobs, and they, the immigrants, should be told, thank you, we no longer need you. It only makes sense. After all, in other countries around the world, especially EU countries, they do just that. Thank you. And Jim, do we got your audio back? Thank you. Is, Jim, do we have your audio back? Uh, I don't know. Can you hear me? Uh, barely. You, you're breaking you up. Can you hear me now? No, Jim. It's far away. Can you hear me better now? No, sir. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that sounds better. Good. Okay, I didn't, I didn't really have I didn't really have anything to. I just wanted to put that in historical context that it had to be, you know, not 2005. That, but uh, no. I, oh, okay. I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was 1995. I apologize. So thank you very no, much. No, no, it's not. And it's yeah, no okay. big deal. It's not. It's no big deal. It's just that I I knew that, you know, just what, make sure everybody had the context. that was, in the middle of his presidency, and uh, but no, go ahead. I'll I I I I let someone else go ahead and say something. Okay, well, you know, as I said, this is on uh, a bright, uh, an audio, not an audio, an article I've got here. It's real short. Uh, that, and I haven't got them any articles tonight, but that's okay. Uh, this is on Breitbart.com. Uh, it's a culture calls on Trump to impose temporary ban on all immigration. Uh, it says, Monday on Fox Business Network's uh, Varney and Company, conservative commentator Ann Coulter. And let me make this disclaimer. I never really was a big fan of Ann Coulter, but anyway. Uh, author of In Trump We Trust, Eporibus Awesome. She's, I don't know, but anyway, uh, suggested rather than impose a ban on people from certain countries, uh, President Donald Trump should enact a temporary ban on all immigration to the United States. Coulter said if everyone were banned, that would eliminate the religious aspects that are preventing Trump from enacting his policy on immigration. I mean, and this is a quote. I mean, what Trump, for example, suggested in his immigration policy paper, the greatest document since the Magna Carta, was, tempor- was a temporary ban on all immigration, culture said. You have no religion problem then. Why doesn't he go back to that? If both more aggressive, be very careful. Let in a few a year, we're letting in two million people a year, illegal, legal guest workers, probably more than 2 million, and the New York Times writes, well, it's just impossible to vet that many people coming in. Well, don't let that many people in. It's not that hard. That's a good point, I guess. It says, as for the detention, I would say, yes, there are always ways to be aggressive, she continued. I think in some ways I'd be more aggressive, but I don't think it would raise as many hackles because it looks nothing like an internment. I mean, Europe, as an earlier time, 
Europe has an easier time than we do. They don't have a First Amendment. In Germany, it's a crime to support the Nazi party. Yeah, that's true. So are you worried about the Nazis today? Well, I don't know. Not quite the Nazis, but we are kind of worried about fascism, uh, at least that's what we're talking about tonight. Uh, but anyway, it says, no, we are worried about ISIS. We are worried about Islamic terrorism, and that's a, not be a crime to merely communicate, but to advocate the ideology, and they ought to be thrown out of the country. You know, so she's a, you know, a little extreme. But, I mean, I, there are some points in there that I think I kind of agree with. Um, well, and uh, uh, thank you very much, uh, Cindy, for uh, coming out to the show. wish we could have heard from you tonight, but I guess she was just listening. Same as uh, Kelly. I do see Kelly and John on the line, if you guys like to chime in. Uh, we still have about 20 minutes before we have to close things out uh, for this evening. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, I kind of think that, and we'll bring it over to you, Mark. I mean, I, for, personally, I really don't think that's that bad of an idea. I mean, I really don't see immigration at a time had a purpose, but I don't know what that purpose is anymore. Um, now, I know we our indigenous population is decreasing because, you know, we're having less and less kids. So I think that maybe they their, their thoughts of having – and you're familiar with this, Jim, and then maybe you could talk a little bit about, if we got time, is uh, Pat Buchanan's book. And I still would like to get him on. And I know you, you – I think you have a better relationship with this gatekeeper than I do. So I'd really like to have him on because you know, I think his book, Death of the West, is really pertinent uh, to where, we, where we're at now. I really do. And I'd really love to have him come on and talk about that. I mean it's, it's a, the book that's been out for quite some time. Uh, but I think it, it had more pertinence today even than when he wrote the book. But anyway, Jim, uh, yeah. that's kind of a side note. I, I we'll wish my, to... Yeah, I wish my relationship with the gate. Hello? I'm, he- I'm here. C- can, you hear- can you hear me, Robert? Yeah, you're breaking up, I, 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 but I heard something about relationship. I that's all I heard. I don't know why. Am I still breaking up? I'm in the same place I've been all night. Yeah, I don't know. I understand maybe Anderson Dodd's tired of hearing from us. Good. Okay, well, listen, I will let – I don't know what to say, so if you can't hear me clearly, just let someone else talk, and I'll listen, okay? Okay. Oh, go ahead. I thought you were going – but anyway, so – but, you know, my point is is that, you know, and I think that may be why they're allowing all this, you know, immigration – yeah, and because, you know, hello, the American, you know, the indigenous, you know, not, when I mean indigenous, I'm talking about us now, not the American Indians, Native Americans, <laughs> but, but we're just not procreating the way that we used to. I mean, now, I mean, well, let me give you an example. My dad's, uh, you know, I'm one of seven. My, mo- my, my mother was one of 10, and my dad was one of 18. I mean, if you have 18 children now, you're on a reality show. You know, that's so uncommon. They'll put you on TV. That that happens, and people think you're a freak. Now you know it's like you know, you know, two kids are the norm. You know, and four is even considered you know a lot. Um, but anyway, you know, I I think I, I mean I kind of like that idea, uh, you know, of maybe putting a moratorium or you know a temporary ban on all immigration at this point. Maybe not. I mean, what what do you think, Mark? Well, do we? Do we lose marks too? Apparently. Um, now, are you, am I still breaking up? Uh, this is Jim. Am I still breaking up, Robert? Yeah, unfortunately, this is interesting. Huh. Well, I can hear Jim. 
Yeah, I can hear. Please. Maybe you it's just, you okay. know what? Maybe it's just me. I switched to uh, a, a new service, and maybe they're just not as good as, uh, you know, <laughs> as my other one. Maybe, maybe, can you hear him fine, uh, Nosh? Yeah, I can hear him. Okay, yeah, well, maybe it's the, go say, ahead, Jim. Maybe it's just me. Maybe the, maybe the, maybe the NSA Bob just messed with my, uh, my audio. Go ahead. Well, what I can hear. Pat Buchanan's book, The Death of the West, is on that. And so you've got, with regard to that, you have the European peoples and the white peoples in America are, are not per- reproducing, especially since around 1996. The birth control mentality, I guess, um, getting the big screen TV instead of having a kid. Uh, but this is, so in one generation, the white, the white people in the world are not replacing themselves. Okay, uh, this is well. This is one reason why the Catholic Church was always against birth control, because these demographic catastrophes can happen quick. Uh, on the other hand, um, the whether you, you may like it, you may hate it, you may love it, you may not like it, but the ruling elite in the Europe and the United States, those international banks, are trying to make sure there is no majority of any kind in any of the formerly white countries. They want a bunch of minorities fighting with each other so they can manage the population uh, more uh, with nobody being the majority. So whether you like it or don't like it, they're overwhelming the white people with all kinds of clever devices and third world immigration. Now, uh, the um, and Buchanan's book gets into that, but nothing has, nothing has come up to be this gambit of bombing the heck out of the Middle East and then sending the third world refugees, who many of whom aren't even from the bombing, but the countries that were bombed, in, into Europe. Uh, in this country, the Congress, uh, which is, as we've talked about on other shows, but not tonight, is largely controlled by APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. Congress has let three million uh, Sharia-believing, mostly Sharia-believing Muslims in the United States since 1990. So this is a deliberate attempt to create friction in our country. And again, uh, it also makes it believable that Muslims are creating all these terrorist acts, which I don't believe is the case. I believe that there is these are created by the dark side of the intelligence agencies, many of them. Yes, they may either get a uh, Muslim to come on the scene where they can blame them and kill them. And some cases, some cases may be real, but in any case, the reason they can blame uh, all these terrorist attacks rightly or wrongly on Muslims is because we suddenly have in the last 25 years, 3 million Muslims, most of whom believe in, many of whom believe in Sharia law who are here legally. They didn't break their way in. They're here legally. So, all of this is going into the, the massive democratic de- demographic shift that's happening primarily in Europe and the United States. I mean, that's factually what's happening, whether you love it, hate it, well, or, and, and never thought about it. And Dr. Tolbert uh, made a good point over to me. And thank you, Dr. Tolbert. As you know, the Muslims, they have seven wives, you know, and have seven kids per each. Now, we had a guy on who was advocating now – I might get a lot of slack from my Christian friends on this on this show, <laughs> uh, but we had a guy on here. Uh, we may get him back on. He was a, a polygamy a- advocate, and I, I'll be honest. I mean, I feel like if you if you can handle 
more than one wife and you can afford it, it I think you should. I think it should be illegal. I think you should be able to do it. Um, I mean, if you, you can do it in a you know it's an amicable way and make it legal, you know. Maybe I'm a more libertarian uh, in, in that instance, but I think it should be, you know, I should be. I think it should be illegal. Uh, but anyway, so he makes that that good point. But we do have John on the line and, and Kelly. We haven't had a chance to hear from either one of them tonight, and so let's go ahead. And we've got uh, looks like Kelly was uh, waiting for a little bit longer than John, uh, so let's go ahead and bring in Kelly and then John and then boy, folks, uh, we're going to have to. Unfortunately, I won't be able to do probably closing comments tonight. Uh, but I do appreciate having everyone on the show, and of course we're all welcome back uh, for next week. And just give a little bit. Oh, um, oh okay. And then Mark had to go. Uh, he wanted to say thank you very much. Uh, and uh, oh yeah, and then I'll have to. Oh, I'll, I'll mention that later. Email me. Uh, but Mark had to go, so we'll, let's go ahead and bring in Kelly, and then uh, John, and then uh, next week. Now next week, real quick, uh, I do want to. You know, because we w- want to invite everyone on uh, to do that. We have on. We're going to ask somebody. I don't know quite who, but I know we're going to have someone from the Media Equalizer. Uh, you may have heard uh, a few other folks uh, uh, on uh, Hannity uh, the other night, and we may actually get one of them, either Melody or Brian, on the show, or we may have uh, someone else from their organization on next week. Uh, so we're looking to have someone from Media Equalizer. Uh, as I said, if you're by watching Hannity, you may be able to uh, recall uh, they were on uh, the past couple nights uh, this week. And so I'm hoping uh, this week or last week, but I'm hoping to get uh, either Brian or Melanie on. Uh, and but, but if not, we've got another uh, person from the organization who may come on if, if they're unable to make it. But let's go ahead at this point, uh, go ahead and bring in Kelly, and then we'll bring you in. John, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you? Hey, doing real good. Uh, hello, everybody. Hey, sorry I'm a little late. I was helping a friend who, uh, well, he might pop the questions in. It's like, wow, is it timing right? Is it not? Yeah, they're in love. It's really cool. But uh, I don't think he's going to be marrying two women. Um, and, yes, I am a libertarian, and, of course, you all know I'm a Christian. And so, Robert, I want to reach through the phone line to Ohio and slap him in the face for legalizing the idea of legalizing polygamy. The fundamental thing why I really don't like polygamy is because, well, if a man has two wives, he's not going to change. If he has one wife, he's, you know, being, you know, obviously marriage is a commitment, but he's going to change to be more loving over time. And he'll be a lot more wonderful man, not just for his wife, but also for his kids and also for his community with one wife. With two wives, he can play them off each other and all sorts of weird manipulative games are going to happen. It just, it's just, it's, to me, it's just not natural. But the natural process of, of time and, and sometimes pain and growth and maturity, um, those lessons would be avoided with two wives. That's just my thoughts on the, the polygamy thing. So... Anyway, so do you want to hear a wackiness from California, the state legislature? Sure. Okay. California, the land of fruits and nuts. Someday I'll be able to say I'm from <laughs> California, meaning I escaped. But um, AB 795, luckily you got killed by the assembly. Cattlemen's Association were screaming. And so, wait, we're an agricultural state. Yeah, let's not pass this bill. 
But it went through the, the, to the assembly committee. What is this bill that's so obnoxious? It's called the Wild and Scenic River Bill, meaning a quarter-mile buffer. A quarter-mile buffer. Nobody can go within a quarter-mile of any rivers or streams. What? Are you people? They've tried this in the 90s. They tried it in the 2000s. They tried it again. The Cattlemen's Association said, are you out of your mind? How are cattle going to drink water? And so the assembly killed it. But just the fact that it made it through, what it does, a bill, okay, goes to the floor, okay, go to committee. It goes in the committee, they work, revise it, edit, whatever, come back out, and then they vote it on the floor. To get even approval in the committee is like, okay, California, the land of fruits and nuts. A quarter-mile buffer that nobody can go, well, what about private property? Are you people out of your mind? I, again, they've tried this a third attempt that I'm aware of. Maybe, four, maybe there's been others, but these environmentalists, I'm sorry. You know, where are they going to where are they going to get their milk? Oh, we just go to the grocery store. <laughs> really? I, I mean, come on, guys. I just one of these days when I can say I'm from California, meaning I escaped, then I'm going to gladly say, "Ain't my circus, not my monkeys." <laughs> anyway. I just wanted to throw that out. Well, I appreciate that, Kelly. It's all, always good to hear from you. So let's go ahead. Unfortunately, there's only about 15 minutes left in the show. I'll need probably the last five or so to uh, close things out. And so uh, let me go ahead and bring in John. Uh, thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Man, you guys sound wonderful. I just wanted to say hello and tell you and encourage you to come on back next week because every one of you are important. I don't care what – well, I do care, but, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what side of the issue you're on because we can have these deliberative conversations where people actually get to object and rebuttal each other and have some conducive dialogue. I'm continuing to learn and grow, and I need that. And I just want to say thank you for helping me. And Robert, it's just awesome show, and people Thank having you. an opportunity to give that back and forth and continue to vet the issue, go even deeper, like Naj and and uh, Jim and and uh, uh, Dr. Tolbert going deeper on the issues because people see things from different views and they have different historical backgrounds of experience that they can bring to the table. We can all learn from. And uh, as far as Jim's mic crackling and stuff like that, I heard a little bit of it. It come and went, but I heard him for the most part of the time. So I just want to encourage everybody to come back to the Love Fest next week because I need you. Thanks. Back to you. Well, thank you very much. And uh, as I said, I got about, uh, let's see, it's uh, 1246 Eastern time. Uh, We have about 10 minutes, eh, maybe about nine before. I uh, have to close things out, and right now, including myself, not including myself, we have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five uh, folks on the line. So we actually will have uh, some time for a a few, each about a minute, uh, and closing thoughts. So what we'll do is, uh, for closing thoughts uh, for tonight, we will uh, give it over to you, Bianchi, first, and then Naj and then Kelly, and then you, John, and then Jim, and then I'll have to close things off. Each person's got about a minute. Uh, just to, you know, wrap up final thoughts about our topics uh, this evening uh, or a little plug for anything else. Uh, I'm looking forward to next week having those uh, folks, uh, whoever they end up being, uh, from the uh, equalizers there. 
So we're uh, looking forward to that. So go ahead, uh, uh, first person there, Pianchi. Well, you know, like I said, I called in regarding the uh, this the removal of these Confederate monuments. I think people are trying to revise history. I think it's it, it's terrible that uh, something like that would be going on. The Confederate monument there in uh, carved in the mountains. I guess they're going to try to remove them next. But no, that's all I wanted to make comment on. I think it's terrible. I think they should leave them alone, respect them. Uh, they're part of history, and uh, I want my grandchildren to know of that part of history without having to pay to go into a museum. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, and if, again, you're welcome uh, coming back on the show. I want to uh, thank everyone, even those who are, are not uh, back on or listening now. Uh, hopefully, if you're listening to the podcast uh, that you can find free on uh, download to your mobile devices on iTunes. Of course, you uh, also can take the link uh, for tonight's show and uh, download it and send it on email, things of that nature. But let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Naj. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, we're kind of misdiagnosing things when we think there's a fascism problem in America. Uh, we actually have an echo chamber problem in America. So people on the extreme right and people on the extreme left, uh, they only talk amongst each other. They trade uh, revisionist historical documents amongst each other, and then they come to the public square and think everybody else is crazy. So that's the issue that we have. So you see Antifa fighting against everybody who they think uh, – doesn't agree with what they consider historical norms. And then you have uh, the extreme right where we saw the guy stab a a black man in in New York with a sword. And you saw the guy in Oregon uh, attacking, you know, Muslims and other people who he considered uh, not part of uh, what he considered true America. So we have an extremism problem based on technology to where you have access to people and you can just carve yourself into a corner and only believe uh, what you and your friends pass around as the truth. So I, I would say we have an echo chamber issue. Yeah, I, I could see some. Uh, I definitely see some parts of that. Um, I, we, I, you know, and that's one of the things with Bard's logic is that you know I've always wanted to have with the show is is you know definitely welcome as, as you pointed out, John, uh, to have people with you know with different uh, differing opinions. And actually, why it's called Bard's logic is because. You know, we, we, let's look at it logically. Let's look at it through reason instead of, you know, all the sort of, you know, emotionalism that's out there uh, working cloud people's judgments. And, and if we can't actually have a civil discussion, even if we have uh, points that we disagree on, uh, we can let, let's have those discussions here uh, and, and, and think about them and discuss them rationally. That's kind of one of the, the purposes of, uh, of Bard's logic. I've always wanted to, you know, have, I may have not always put that out there, but, you know, that is something that, you know, is one of the goals of the show, and I appreciate it, Naj, and uh, welcome. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, John, and then Kelly, and then Jim, and then unfortunately, we'll have to close things out. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that I appreciate each and every one of you. Whether I agree with your perspective or not, I need to hear it. And so great job. Thank you very much to you, Kelly. Kelly, go ahead. Okay, maybe we'll bring it to, <laughs> maybe we'll go ahead and bring it Jim. to you, Jim. 
Okay, I hope you can hear me. <laughs> Wait a minute. Can you hear me okay, Robert, or not? Yeah, well, ask them, because it seems like I've been the ones with the problem. <laughs> okay, well, let me just say that, you know, I didn't, the, the, the guest from Evergreen in the second hour said, uh, we live in a fallen world, which I agree with, or we wouldn't have death and all that, but I do want to urge everybody, all these bright minds on this call, if you haven't seen it already, uh, because we got the technology, the computers and all that, and all of mankind can now move into a golden age if we issue money property properly let me recommend two free articles on the internet one is called the money myth exploded that's a page article it's for free just search the money myth exploded the other one is called in this age of plenty that's a book actually that's free online and it's yeah you can get a lot out of just reading the first chapter or two or three both by a guy named lewis even e-v-e-n so in this age of plenty and the money myth exploded and uh Despite we could all argue for hours about different things, every class, every race, every country can be raised up economically uh, and have more leisure time if we will just start issuing money properly. We're not lacking the goods, the food, the products. We're lacking the money being issued properly uh, so that the bankers don't become the trillionaires as they're doing now. The, the, The heritage of mankind should be properly shared with everyone in a free enterprise, you know, in a reasonable free enterprise system not socialism not vulture capitalism but true free enterprise okay thank you robert thank you very much it was good to have you on and and kelly do we got you back well i hope somebody's got my back (laughs) (laughs) good kelly yeah i well i hope dan came on he's brilliant um he's humble too i don't know if he called in tonight or not but i want to say hello to him um friend of mine. Gotcha, gotcha. Anyway, yeah, well, I I don't know if I deserve to have much closing comments because I haven't participated, so I want to go ahead and yield to somebody else, and uh, of course, I'll see you all again next Wednesday. I think you're the, let me check here, I think you're the last guy, so you don't have to uh, yield at this, let's see, yep, you're the last guy, and then me, so. (laughs) Hmm. Well, thanks, I'm having trouble hearing it because I'm traveling too, so I guess I want to yield. Oh, uh, got video. it. Well, that's fine. Well, that's fine, Kelly. We appreciate uh, you coming in, calling from the uh, state of California, and and, and August the 21st, uh, the uh, the week of August 20th, 21st is coming up fast, Kelly. I hope you're making plans to meet me in, uh, or at least thinking about it, meet me in Nebraska that week, because I tell you what, that'd be phenomenal, because I will be. Uh, and there uh, to enjoy the full solar eclipse uh, that is coming our way here, coming across, literally going to go across America. I'm taking the family out uh, to uh, to enjoy that. So uh, I'm going out west, and hopefully I'll be able to meet up with some of my western friends there, uh, which would be great. And, of course, I do want to appreciate uh, everyone uh, coming to the show tonight, and definitely uh, welcome to come back next week and join our roundtable discussion. Also, uh, check out the, the Bards Lodge Talk website. Yeah, i got a little bit of work on, uh, to do on it, some little updates, but uh, definitely check out uh, all of it, including the Bards Logic Political Talks newsroom, uh, where you can see a ton of different articles, pictures, videos. Uh, definitely check that out, uh, as well as if you haven't already followed uh, Bards Logic here on Blog Talk Radio, push that little uh, follow button there. If you're on it, or you can also uh, go to our Facebook page if you haven't already. If you're on Facebook, uh, like uh, the Facebook page there, 
I uh, appreciate it, as well as taking the link tonight, uh, whether you uh, have it here as an actual link or you can also find uh, the podcast and download it on your mobile devices for free uh, from iTunes. And actually, you can download all the uh, all of them that we've had for the four years that uh, we've been having the show. And so uh, you're welcome uh, to do that. Of course, you can take the link and email it uh, as well to your friends and, and, and join to have them come on and join us on the show as well. And so uh, I do want to you know, put that out there. So we appreciate uh, you sharing it. And again, uh, go to Facebook. Uh, also, you can also find me on Twitter. And the way you can find me on Twitter is to uh, go to the homepage of uh, you know the homepage of the Bard's Logical Talk website. We can follow me on Twitter. And also, of course, check out the Patriot Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com, especially if you are a Twitter user. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, things you to see on there. And so we'll end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So thanks again, folks. Take care and good night. I can get this thing working. <laughs> oh, man. There we go. Last technical difficulty of the night. Thank you.